Hey guys, what's going on? It's Jeff. A quick note before the show begins. The audio from these podcasts mostly come from live video YouTube streams on my channel. They may vary in quality from show to show and reference visual content not described to you, the listener. I'm sorry about that. If you prefer video to go with this audio, head over to youtube.com backslash from us, F-R-U-M-E-S-S for the whole enchilada. Who doesn't like a whole enchilada anyway? Welcome to tonight's show. It's the channel that you all know, the From Us channel. I'm Jeff. Jeff Murdergram. Jeffrey Murdergram here, reporting for duty. Tonight we have a big show. I'm very excited about tonight's show. I've been kind of saving it the way one saves a, a bottle of wine for a special occasion. You know, I mean, that's the problem with such finite, precious material. It's just you, you gotta um, you gotta use it when when the time is right, and the, and the time was right. Tonight, I felt to do the first part in our deep dive series on uh, the the now lost book, Teenagers from Mars, uh, a history of the uh, a visual history of the misfits, I suppose. What's going on? Thank you for dancing, dancing right into the um, the chat. And yeah, so. So we're going to really be launching the show. A, a quick announcement before we get there, though. Um, I have a, a a big guest that I'm very excited to have on the show. Well, big for our channel, I would say. You know, um, a, a first for the channel uh, as well. Um, and I think everybody's going to really enjoy it. I believe that that's going to be in early February. And I'm going to drop that really, really soon. So really keep your eyes healed as to who and what that will be um what that show will be so that's that's important to take note of i additionally can say that um tank jonathan grimm who used to be the misfits uh, 95 tour manager we're going to be doing a super long epic three-part it's probably going to be hours and hours and hours just just going talking about you know his experiences and you know the before time and just all sorts of stuff if you don't know who who tank is jonathan grimm go go uh look him up and uh make sure to stay uh tuned in for that as well i think that it's really important that we start the show off the right kind of way the only kind of way hello greetings greetings uh to our uh viewer from brazil uh magnon welcome to the show um I, there's only one proper way to start this show let's let's do it right guys we're gonna do it right jeff is gonna talk about the misfits right now he's a nerd about this stuff obsessed anyhow jeff never shuts his face always needs to talk might be shown somewhere if he went out for a walk do you think Dancy cares? He doesn't care. He's out in Karanch. 
Okay, the show has officially began now. I'm happy about that. We wanted that to happen. Um, I'd like to turn everybody's attention to our first piece tonight. Um, uh, Misfits guitarist Bobby Steele and his family has fallen on some hard times. And someone has set up this, this GoFundMe. This guy, Carl Super, has set up a fundraiser. Uh, a GoFundMe fundraiser for Bobby and Diana and and their family. They, their family needs help. They're raising money. They have it's a lot of lot of stuff is going on. Um, they are dealing with many health issues. Um, uh, Diana is dealing with health issues, and their uh, daughter is in a um, a, a, a hard hitting, terrible, nasty. Uh, court custody case that's really not my business or anybody else's to uh dive into i just hope that it all works out for the best for them and so i just wanted to um raise awareness for their gofundme um bobby has been such a a a sweetheart to me over the years and been so helpful and been so generous with his time and i just wanted to let people know about his fundraiser so you can see right here it's in the it's in the chat so if anybody has a couple bucks um to throw uh at this gofundme please do so help bobby Steele and his family out it's gofundme.com backslash f backslash bobby dash steals dash misfits undead dash family dash needs dash help that's for everybody who is listening to this on podcast that's right we're on spotify apple music all that stuff so if you don't like watching on YouTube, you can listen uh, as a podcast. So make sure to check that out. And wishing Bobby and his family and Diana and all of them all the best, truly. Um, so as I said, we're talking about Teenagers from Mars. Quick history. There have been, I would say, there have been three major books that feature the Misfits, right? Um you there are other things like for instance steve blush's american hardcore has uh, a couple of things about the misfits uh pkm briefly mentions jerry only in regards to um hanging out with howie pyro as they were uh depositing sid vicious's ashes on nancy's grave you know um uh, what else is there you have my as i said mike hideous he wrote a book about his time uh, when he was touring with the Misfits, it's like his tour journal. It's kind of like his get in the his you know Henry Rollins did get in the van. This is uh, Mike Hideous's get in the van kind of. So he there's that, and then you have um, three books that really seem to have broken through in some way, shape, or form. Or at, were at one time actually out on the market. One of them, I, frankly, is not even worth mentioning by name. I don't want to like n- nothing against the author, but you know again. It's so much is lifted, lifted from, from Misfit Central. Like his work is is just like my work. All of our work comes from Mark Kennedy, and the fact that the book doesn't mention or really, you know, uh, give Mark Kennedy the credit that he deserves. That it's not, it's not credit that Mark Kennedy is asking for either. It's just this is my own personal opinion about the matter. I just think it's kind of tacky that you know it's like a narrative written about the book. So I'm not even going to mention it. Then. You have um, uh, the second book, which actually came out third. But since we're building up to to Teenagers from Mars, which I believe came out first, 
we're we're, we're going to talk about this one first instead, and that's Scream with Me. And we've talked about Scream with Me. And uh, Tom B, he was he was the dude. He was at Caroline, and he worked with the Misfits, and um, you know uh, helped to produce and put out the Static Age album as well as the Misfits box set and uh, Twelve Hits from Hell, and just you know has a completely unique uh, perspective. And we've spoken a little bit about him before, and, and him and his partners uh, Umberto and oh my god, it just was. I was just talking about this guy. It was Danny? the hell is his name um the third dude oh my god please forgive me now i gotta look up his name i feel terrible uh scream with me i feel like such a uh jeremy dean dean so sorry jeremy jeremy dean tom begowitz and umberto these three guys they put out this book and as far as i'm concerned you know, and and not, you know, in my personal opinion, after looking through the books, I guess, I guess in a way, actually, Teenagers from Mars is almost like a, it, it is a worthy companion book in the sense that it has a lot more like band photos and that and Scream With Me is more of like a visual history through memorabilia and collecting and like records and things. So they really kind of go hand in hand. But if I had to think of like, what is the definitive book? It's Scream With Me because it's got you know, um, you you have blurbs from from people who are really in the history, as opposed to um, you know, uh, you have Kenny and Frank talking from their personal experience. And listen, there's nobody more insider than Kenny Kayafa, you know, Rocky, Rocky, aka Schlock, uh, uh, Jerry and Doyle's brother. He's the, he's as inside as it gets. But you know, it's one perspective versus what they did in Scream with Me, which is just uh, there's just so much it's it's such a it, it's so beautiful it's so beautifully put together and i i, I really can't say enough good, great things about scream with me so for me that's like my favorite of uh of, of the two that i've seen and I've, I've looked through uh both books mostly um well i have scream with me i wasn't able to get a copy of teenagers from mars which is why we're going to look at it the way that we were going to look at it at the time when we did the scream with me look through you could still buy the book. The thing was, they cannot repress that book anymore. So whatever is out there is out there, and that's it. Um, at the time, we didn't read all the stuff in there because, you know, you could still buy the book. I didn't want to, like, take away from people buying the book and enjoying it. However, you cannot get a copy of Teenagers from Mars at all. And if you do get it, it goes for hundreds and hundreds of dollars over price or whatever it's 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 in the couple hundreds something like that i, I think it's gone for as much as 200 dollars. that's a lot it's a lot for a book you know um i i don't want to again i i think what they put together is a really great thing it's wonderful um i had seen a bunch of those photos in the past uh i i was privileged enough i uh, kenny shared some of his photos with me i had met kenny before well, I'll get into that in a second. Point being is that you have these three books that have gotten through, but of those three books, only the book that I didn't really talk about is the only book that you can still kind of buy. Teenage from Mars can't get anywhere and Scream With Me is out of print. Um, and so by that standard, I think it justifies being able to look through the book now. We should be able to look through something that we can't buy. If we could physically buy it in a store, I would say buy, support the book, buy it in a store. We can't. And we love this stuff and we want to go over it. So that's what we are going to do. Okay. And I, I don't, I don't want to, that, that's all I have to say about it again. Um, and if you really do enjoy 
the book, um, go, I don't know if, uh, I don't think Kenny and Frank have a website, but if, if they have seek them out, I don't know if they're selling art or anything else, but you should go and support them in whatever their endeavors are. Um, so now back to, I, my, my interactions with Kenny come via tank actually, because tank and Kenny are partners. They, they have the all American pool service company. They work together. Um, uh, doing pool maintenance. It's one of the, one of the things that they do. And when I, when I first spoke to tank tank was the one who put me in touch with Kenny and I came over to tanks house, uh, went right on the block in um, uh, where they all live. All, all of all ever, everybody lives. They all live to, you know, right next to each other. And, um, and I interviewed Ken, Kenny for about four hours. He was so generous with his time. And I just want to say again, uh, Kenny is one of, it was, is such a nice, like awesome solicitous. Like he didn't have to do that for me. Like he doesn't know me. I'm a stranger. He didn't have to, uh, spend all this time talking to letting this, you know, goober ask him questions, you know, about stuff. Like he was so generous at this time and he pieced together a lot of things because he was around then he pieced together a lot of interesting stories from a firsthand perspective, we've heard so many of these stories, you know, like when Doyle hit somebody over the head with a guitar or the New Orleans grave robbing incident, he was there for those things. So I, you know, having him talk on my tape and tell me his story from his first person perspective and it's it's um, detailed and it's it's also kind of unbiased because again, he doesn't have a horse in the race. So he's, he's telling, he's remembering details that maybe those other guys might want to forget. It was very interesting to hear him talk. Um, and now, or at least him and this guy, Frank white, they got together and they put out this, it's a photo book more than anything there. There's words, but it's mostly photos, which is another th reason as to why, you know, it's not, I mean, it's kind of easy to, it's kind of easy breezy to, to, to go through. But we're going to take our time with it. We're not we're not here to, to do it all in one one big lump and sum because, well, I mean, there's I mean, you know, let's break it up a little bit. Uh, so before we get there, we're going to read an article that's kind of like a review of Teenagers from Mars and what it is. So let's do that because that's what we do here on the channel. Right. We we um, we take our time. If it's your first time joining us on this channel. I, I highly advise you to subscribe, to like this video, to leave a comment, consider uh, grabbing a cup of coffee, support the creation of this content, whatever you want to do. Most important thing, though, is subscribing. Most important thing, though, is just tuning in and, and being a part of the conversation in the show. Um, trying to uh, hold my concentration. So I'm, 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 I, I see people in the comments. I, uh, so glad you're all here. We'll get to some comments a little bit later. I want to, we're going to read now and I'm going to try and read good. This is for, uh, this is for a blog associated with the hundreds and the hundreds is like a, a clothing brand that I've only recently, they've been around forever. They've been around for almost 30 years, but I've only recently uh, come to, to know them because the, the creator came on Kevin Smith's podcast because uh, they're doing a clothing uh, thing with Kevin Smith. So that was cool. And, um, so they were on my radar when I was like, oh, yeah, that's the 100s. So this is by Tony Retman. It was on uh, 
from October 17th, 2019, The Misfits, Teenagers from Mars. Last December, I wrote the following article for the one, the hundreds in order to promote the release of the book, Teenagers from Mars, The Misfits Among Us, 1978 to 2006. Unfortunately, due to the usual legal uh, horse crap that lingers around the band, the book was pulled from the shelves and the article was killed. Check out Larry Lingo with the journalistic slang. So, yeah, very quickly, that is what happened. The, the book, just like Scream With Me, Scream With Me was allowed to continue to be sold, but this book was 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 stopped. They, they, they were completely stopped and recalled. And, you know, people had even ordered the book and it never came to them and stuff. It was really a real bummer. Um for those of the, for those people who wanted to see these photographs. Um, so in a non-celebration of the Misfits playing Madison Square Garden uh, for a review of that show, go check out on this channel. I was at that show. Phenomenal show. Uh, by the way, well, we'll get there in a second. Um, uh, so this, so in the non-celebration of the Misfits playing Madison Square Garden this weekend, uh, I figured to run the article here on the site. Maybe I'll get a cease and desist letter from Glenn himself. Who knows? In a world where the damned have to warm up for a band who owe their entire livelihood to them, anything is possible. Signing off bitter and broke, TR. So definitely coming from a bitter place. And, you know, I I look at that that fact as awesome, not as like uh, like a downer that the damned are opening up for a band that opened up for them. Um, let's see. In the grand pantheon of American punk bands, the image projected by the Misfits looms heavy and large over their peers. Formed during the late 70s and working from the cultural bubble of Lodi, New Jersey, the band stitched together a truly matchless concept. Oh, I like that. Matchless concept. A dark and twisted celebration of American culture composed from an admiration for low-budget horror and sci-fi fiction flicks. The production skills of music business pariah Phil Spector the deep state tragedies from the nation's past with some of the imported theatrics of David Bowie thrown in for good measure. This guy is a great writer. Self-releasing records on their own Plan 9 imprint put them in the unique position of controlling their image and connecting one-on-one -on -one with their fan base. This guy's right on the money. Hold up, uh, hold up in vocalist Glenn Danzig's basement apartment. The, groom, the group beamed out rumors about themselves recording in abandoned haunted houses and sleeping in coffins to create an air of intrigue and mystery. Uh, the deep pockets of major labels couldn't begin to conjure up. After their initial breakup in 1983, the mystique about the band pushed further. Whether it was merely the masses finally catching up to their genius or the fact that Metallica covered their tunes, it was obvious that the Misfits would follow the lineage of the Stooges, Big Star, and other seminal bands before them. In the late 90s, founding member and bassist Jerry Only, Kenny's brother, along with his blood brother and guitarist for the band Doyle Von Frankenstein, Doyle Wolfgang Von Frankenstein, uh, Kenny's other brother began touring and recording with a revolving door lineup of the band, which sometimes took in a stray misfits member here and there, as well as former members of the Ramones and black flag. Um, 
but it wasn't until 2016 when it was announced that they would reunite with vocalist Glenn Danzig to play Chicago's Riot Fest uh, that the fans felt that they were getting the real deal. Since then, the band has packed arenas with fans ranging in age, all wishing to witness this band, which captured their imagination throughout all these different pockets in time. Excellent. Excellent. Love it. Love it. That's great. Mike says he's in the book. Mike Landerman, um, where where are you in the book? What page can we find you, Mike? I don't know. I, I only have the first half of the book with me right now. Aside from the recent live shows, another element that can assist in getting a grip on the Misfits history is the recently published photo book, Teenagers from Mars, The Misfits Among Us, 1978 to 2006. The tomb bookends two important eras of the band as captured by the younger brother of Jerry and Doyle. That's inaccurate. Kenny is the middle brother. Jerry is the oldest, then Kenny, then Doyle, and longtime band manager Ken Kayafa, as well as renowned rock photographer Frank White. Kayafa's photos showcase the band in their formative stages lurking in and around their hometown, plus their first trips into New York City to play legendary venues such as Max's Kansas City and Irving Plaza, while Frank's images begin at the much-publicized and anticipated uh, Jerry and Doyle-launched comeback in 1996. You know what is interesting? I like using that word, comeback. Comeback! And by my face... Um, I really like I really like using that word instead of calling it a reunion or, you know, resurrection is good, too. But comeback makes a lot more sense to me in in sort of like understanding what Jerry is really trying to do with that name. I like that a lot. Comeback like many others who earned their bones in the punk scene. Ken Kayafa learned his talents for photography and management at the spur of the moment. I was the only one there to help the band out, so I did what I could. He says about the dual role he had, uh, he played for the Misfits in those early years. I was not a trained photographer, but I had a camera and I knew how to work it. My goal was just to try and get some usable pictures. It was focus, adjust for light, and fire. I was just trying to tie together our love for horror, sci-fi, and all things macabre. Ken states matter-of-factly, Ken likes to talk matter of factly, and it's 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 a charming quality when when you hear him speak. He's a very good storyteller, and he's very very detail oriented. Um, Ken states matter of factly. Ken states matter of factly before quickly throwing in and hard hitting music, of course, and something else that you may not know. You know, sometimes Kenny would practice with his brothers. So when Glenn and, you know, whoever the drummer was at the time weren't around, uh, Jerry and Doyle would have Rocky jump behind the, the drums and just hold a simple beat. He wasn't a drummer by any stretch of the imagination, but he would hold, you know, a blast beat for them, whatever, not blast beat, the whatever, two, four, 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 whatever it is that they, that they would do. Um, and just keep a beat for them while they're, while they're, uh, playing. Kayafa's photos provide a window into the development of the Misfits aesthetic we never had prior to the publication of the book as we witness them futz with and eventually develop their ghoulish aesthetic over time. That's true. You see the gradual change. Ken Ken proves himself with these photos 
to be the unsung element in the Misfits' everlasting lure. When the photos by Kayafa give insight to the evolution of the Misfits, Frank White's show Jerry and Doyle building upon the already proven framework of the band's style. Although a fan of the band from early on, Frank did not get a chance to photograph them until 1995 at a horror convention in Syracuse, New Jersey, probably Chiller Theater, I would imagine. As I entered, Jerry, Doyle, and Ken were the first people I ran into, recalls White. They had a very impressive horror-themed setup in the hallway of the hotel, and you could not miss them. I remember thinking about how I would finally get my chance to meet and photograph them after wanting to see, uh, after wanting to since their heydays. Impressed that Frank got some photos from the day of Jerry and Doyle flanking well-known horror queen and hundreds collaborator of Elvira into the pages of Thrasher, Ken Kaiafa made him the official photographer for the revamped lineup of the band, a title that he held until 2006. So Frank also, man, Frank would be great to get for this uh, show. Frank also uh, was just... He saw he saw a lot, at least in the later years. The concept for the Teenagers from Mars uh, book began when the announcement was made a few years back about the reunion of the original lineup. And White was approached by the UK-based Metal Hammer magazine for photos of the Misfits nascent days. Although he could not provide these needed shots, he helped them out in their quest by making a few phone calls. Early Misfits guitarist Bobby Steele recalled to Frank how Ken Kayafa took a good amount of photos of the band back in the day. Ken never told me what I was uh, when I was working with the band for all those years that he ever photographed his brother's band, said a stunned white. A few days later, Ken met Frank at an undisclosed location holding a small black briefcase. He opens it up and out come these envelopes with the time period being from 1978 to 1981. It was a state of shock, and all of a sudden, ideas were swirling inside of my head. I said to Ken, not only do we have enough photos here for Metal Hammer Story, but we have enough for a book between his photos and my photos. Word quickly, uh, Working quickly, Ken reached out to Ian Christie over at Bazillion Points Publishing, who leaped at the opportunity of releasing a book crammed with photos from the two most important historic eras of this much-storied band. Now out and ready for consumption, Teenagers from Mars will not only please fans due to its exclusive imagery, but the detailed recounts from both Kayafa and White on their time spent with the band at both these important stages in their career. Even though the combination of words and imagery in Teenagers from Mars plainly lays out the reasons behind the Misfits' legacy and why it transcended the underground to continuously inspire and inform pop culture, I still ask both Frank and Ken their take on why the band still managed to retain and collect such rabid fans into the present day. I think it's a combination of their horror look, the kind of music they played, and their time not on the stage with original members for many years. Well, uh, that, that's weird. Hold on. What? I think it's the combination of their horror look, the kind of music they play, and their time not on stage with original members for many years brings out the masses to their sold-out arena shows. Now, White responds. Kayafa, who seems to have a knack for being strikingly direct with his statements, yep, uh, boils it down to the painfully obvious. Uh, it's great imagery and great songs. It's hard to beat. Nobody does it better than them. 
and that is it. And you can show your support of Sandpaper Lullaby by becoming a member over on their Patreon, where you will get bonus content. Again, that was by Tony. And um, that's on retman.substack.com. And here we'll put the link to the article in case you want to go back and read it yourself right there. Um, Once again, uh, I will tell you, if it is your first time joining us, please take a moment. And you can support this channel by subscribing, uh, liking this video, or leaving a comment of some kind. Many different ways to support um, the creation of this work. Uh, Before we launch into the meat, we got to talk about stick <laughs> dagger dagger doesn't care about missus without danzig he's, he's he accepts no substitutes um we got to talk about stickers for a minute uh in case you don't know uh this channel the from his channel is powered by riotstickers.com oh, oh, as you can see right here uh we're running a special promotional deal on stickers it's a really nice deal for your band see this right here it's normally $59, but you can get it 50% off, $29.50, 50 three-inch by three-inch stickers. That is a really good deal for $29.50. That's 50% off. Nine square inches of real estate for you to imprint whatever logo or thing you want somewhere. And you can get that 50% off with the promo code FROMUS, the name of the channel, FROMUS, F-R-U-M-E-S-S. The direct link is down in the description. Uh, I have worked with riot stickers in the past they are uh an incredible company independent lots of heart um personable Uh, i know a lot of people that have also a lot of musicians that work with riotstickers.com zero complaints stickers that actually stick unlike uh their alleged competitors allegedly those stick those stickers don't stick very well but at riotstickers.com you're not gonna have any problem with your sticky ass stickers they all stick that's what we want and now here's a little theme song by the guy from Less Than Jake. We make stickers, banners, and buttons too. Posters and promo cards. There's nothing we can't print for you. From stage backdrops to bass drum heads. We can print on shirts. We can print on hats. We can print on We are the bomb. Love that. Love that. It's terrific. It's really terrific. Who else is excited for that new Batman movie? I can't wait to talk about it. It is going to be really great. We'll be talking about that on the channel for sure. All right, here it is, you guys. Holy crap. Holy crap. Are you excited? 
I am excited here to make me smaller so we can see these photos better. Now, so what I'm working with here is a, this was something that was um, passed along to me. And I wonder if there's a way to make this full screen here. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I can. Yeah, there we go. That's better, right? Okay, that's good. So here's that awesome cover, and that there's your, your your rat bat spider. Now this is one of Kenny's photos um, from when they were on tour in California for the first time. And there it is, the Misfits Among Us, 1978 to 19. Oh, is it not going to let me? Oh, 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 oh! We went too far ahead. No. Well, that's tough. This is not going to be easy, you guys. Whoa. Getting ahead of ourselves here. Uh-oh. We're running in. Oh, of course, it wouldn't be the, the right. It wouldn't be a, a normal from a show if we didn't run into some sort of technical difficulties here. Okay. This is how we're going to have to do this. All right. We'll just move on down the line. So there's a photo of Jerry. And there is, I think that's Kenny as the Crimson Ghost. He used to play. The he used to play the uh, the Crimson Ghost on stage for the band, and I think Tank might have taken over. I, you know, I'm very spotty on '95 Misfits history. It'll be nice to have Tank on the show to talk about that. Um, boom, and there's the band, 1978, right after. Probably, I don't know when these photos were taken. I think it was winter. Uh, since they recorded Static Age in January of 78, I, I, I want to imagine that this was after Static Age that these photos were taken, but I don't actually know. And, you know, this was around the in an industrial area around Lodi. Robbie, where I saw Robbie in the comments. Robbie, where was this taken exactly? Robbie, Robbie knows best in these matters, being uh, indigenous, indigenous to the, the, the local area. And there are definitely, so I have seen, um, there's way more photos than what are in this book. And I've seen some of them. Some of them are inappropriate for the book, understandably so. And so they remain unreleased. Um, there are some shots of Kenny's uh, from Kenny's archive that if they ever got out, that it would just, I mean, it would just be meme central and it would just be, it would be havoc, havoc. Um, oh, that's interesting. That photo is used on two bootleg albums I have, and that's from live February night. Not this photo here, not this teenager, not this, not this static age photo. The, the photo on the top of the book is from February 1982. Huh. I always thought it was from 1981. I think it might be from 1981. That bootleg might, might be wrong. All right, so this is Arnott Street and Hackensack. Depends which photo. I believe that one's Arnott. So there you go. So this is actually in Hackensack. It's not in low. It's not in Lodi. Or when I first, when I first, I had never. I've always read the word Lodi, but I never actually said the word Lodi. I think out loud until the year two thousand ten, and before that, I would call it Lottie. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know Lottie. <laughs> hey, you come from Lottie? Um, there's another shot. 
Great shot. I love, I love Jerry's look here. I love Jerry's look. I like all their looks here. Um, uh, friggin' Jerry though, man, he's just got, he's wearing that, the teenagers from Mars shirt and his, you can see his pants are unzippered in this photo right here. That's interesting. I don't know if I can sort of, is it going to let me No. That's annoying. Ooh. Hey now. Hey now. There we go. Um, and it says it's showing you all the different photos. So that is Ken as the Crimson Ghost says it right here. Guys, I'm sorry. The 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 stuff that I'm working for is giving me problems. Yeah, that's Ken as the Crimson Ghost. I was right. Uh, yeah, I don't know why Jerry's pants are, are unbuckled. But okay. Robbie says that this photo here is from Hackensack for sure. And yeah, they just look like uh, a bunch of a bunch of creeps. Cool punk creeps. What's up? Big shout out to AS. I can't say why, but um, he is awesome and a very helpful guy and a big shout out to AS. Great dude. Thank you for everything, AS. And enjoy enjoy your work tonight. Um, so this is to all the monster kids. I love that. And you can see Jerry's wearing a chain with a lock around his neck here. And he's got the, his hair is starting to turn blue. This is the, the great evolution of Jerry only, you know? Um, and there's Mr. Jim who, uh, I have a feeling, um, we'll be talking more about at a later time down the road. And uh, and you can see Glenn's shirt under here. I mean, this is cool to see their sort of fashion sense. Glenn's shirt, he's kind of got like some blood splatter underneath here. He just kind of looks like a, a normal Joe there, you know, him. And you can tell Jim, Jim is not really into the horror thing at all. And he's he doesn't really fit in fashion wise and that kind of way. He's just a he's just a, a, a dude, you know, uh, got the gig in the band. And, you know, again, you know, the best drummer that they ever had, really. Um, and and Frank is wearing, he's wearing like two shirts. I just saw Frank back, I think it was in December. Yeah, no, no. Um, Thanksgiving weekend, I actually saw Frank very recently. He was at the Morning Noise reunion show. And it was great because uh, Robbie called Mr. Jim and so uh, Frank and Mr. Jim were uh, chatting to each other on the phone. It was cool. And I was there and uh, Robbie Bloodshed was there. And I think uh, and Joe was there, Joe Vasta. And it was like a, it was just like a, a fun little moment. Um, everybody just sort of talking. So there's Doyle. And this is obviously from Misfits 95. Look at him. Now, what's crazy is that, you know, here's a dude who like played at the you know, at the in the in the the original punk era or whatever you want to call it, and he was only sixteen years old, and now he's he's not even thirty years old yet. I don't think, right? Or maybe he just turned thirty-one, like thirty, thirty-one, something like that. You know, um, and what's interesting is look at him here versus looking at him, you know, in the Doyle era in the twenty tens, and he's just so much more like ripped now than he was when he was thirty-one. It's almost like looking like looking at him here. It still looks like kind of like a baby Doyle, you know. Um, and then here's all the different photos uh, here. And then we have some more photos. 
But now here's the thing, guys. We only have at the moment, and this is why this is going to be a multi-part episode. We only have the photos here in the first part, uh, Ken's photos. We don't have Frank White's photos. So we will get Frank White's photos and then we will move on uh, as we, we we will continue on there. But this is, yes, yeah, so this was uh, from 97, actually. So I don't know, Doyle's like 33 here, 32, something like that. He was born in 64, 94, he's about 33 there. Um, so yeah. And he's with there. He is with this custom built annihilator guitar. Okay, we're going to page seven. Seven. Um, and there's there's Ken. Look at him. <laughs> he looks so young, dude. Uh, that's when they were out on that first tour, like super stoked. He told me they were just super stoked to be out there, and they didn't know if they were ever going to come back. You know, and, um, you know, there they were. What's up? Rue Morg is in the house. What's up, Rue? Um, and there's Jer- Jerry. Looks like he's up to no good. Jerry, I don't know why. Jerry does kind of have like a almost in this era. He's like uh, kind of got like a Sid Vicious sort of vibe going on. He's got the chain link thing around his neck. He's kind of doing the spiky hair thing. Um, and he just, I mean, always super fashion forward uh, with his approach and fashion. I don't know. Kind of, kind of interesting. Okay. So do, I guess we're going to start now with, we're going to read Kenny's, Kenny's bit here, except I'm going to read it from somewhere else because it's too difficult to read on that screen. I can't see crap with these glasses on. And it's really frustrating. <laughs> Hold on. Let's see if I can find it here. Find what we're looking for, kids. That's what we need. Gotta find what we're looking for. Are you just joining us for the first time? Please make sure to subscribe to this channel, like this video. Leave a comment. We'll go to we'll go to comments afterwards. Here we go. I guess this will do. What is that? That is page seven. No, that's wrong. That is not page seven. Well, this is just photos. That's why. Well, that's annoying. Um, sorry, guys. I'm just taking up too much time here. Doing this when I should be a little bit more prepared than I am. Here it is. All right. I. I. All right. Here is what Ken wrote. It's his forward in the book. Why is this giving me so much trouble here? Let's quit out that. Sorry, sorry for the dead air. We hate dead air on this channel. Hate it. Hate it so much. Terrible thing to have some dead air. Okay, here it is. Intermission over. In my family, monsters came before music. 
As little kids, my brothers, Jerry and Doyle and I would wait all week for Saturday night to watch old horror movies on Channel 5, Creature Features, and Channel 11, Chiller Theater. We love the old, low-budget, black-and-white films like Attack of the Crab Monsters, The Crawling Eye, Attack of the 50-Foot Woman, and The Hideous Sun Demon. And, of course, The Crawling Eye and The Hideous Sun Demon would be uh, the subject for Jerry and Doyle when they tried to be um, they they tried to be horror hosts, kind of like Elvira in in ninety five, and you can see those on on YouTube. We might have to take a look at those some someday. Uh, they didn't seem cheesy cheesy to me as an eight year old in nineteen seventy. Once in a while, a real classic like Bride of Frankenstein, The Mummy, or The Wolfman would slip through, and we would be happy for days. The three of us were artistically talented. We could draw well, sculpt, paint, and create all sorts of special things. We enjoyed building model kits, especially the Aurora Monster model kits. We saved our nickels and dimes until we had enough to run down to the local drugstore and buy a new kit. Then we'd run back home, glue it together, and paint it. We hoarded and poured over famous monsters of Filmland magazine. The cover artwork was amazing. I was awestruck by those lurid paintings by Basil Gogos, who later became a friend of mine. As children, we lived inside the wor that world, drawing our own pictures of all sorts of monsters and alien creatures. Jerry Doyle and I were close in age, and we got along great. We liked the same things, monsters, football, and running around the neighborhood, uh, running around with neighborhood kids. Behind the suburban New Jersey house where we grew up was an apartment complex filled with kids our age. That, in, that same apartment complex is where Steve Zing grew up. Many of them have been long, lifelong friends, going back to my earliest childhood memories. I can't remember not knowing some of the, these guys. The two of us brothers, Doyle and I, grew up during the years of the large 12-inch G.I. Joe's we would pretend one was the Frankenstein monster and we'd make the soldiers fight this unkillable foe. When Jerry saw what we were doing, he customized three G.I. Joes for us. He made one up as Frankenstein and turned one into a wolfman and changed one into Dracula. That was too cool for us little monster kids. At Halloween, we always had to be some sort of creatures. Most of the time, my mother would make our costumes. First, she would ask what we would want to be, always something inspired by horror movies or comic books. Then she would find a pattern, buy the fabric, and then cut, sew, and create our costumes. I can remember myself being Godzilla and the creature from the Black Lagoon. Jerry was Dracula. Doyle was Batman. Mom liked to sew. And to this very day, she still sews portions of Jerry's Misfits stage clothes. Our parents listened to music from the 1950s and early 1960s. At the time, doo-wop music was only 10 or 15 years old. Our parents still were young themselves and in their early 30s. You can hear the influence from the music they played for us in some Misfit songs with the sing-along background vocals and such, the whoa-whoa-whoes. And when the time came, my mother was absolutely 100% pro-Misfits. She thought that they were the greatest thing. Whether they became the next big sensation filling stadiums or whether they failed, she didn't care. She'd say, go do it. Try. 
in our teenage years, better movies appeared like the Planet of the Apes series and Star Wars. We also discovered our own kind of music like Led Zeppelin, like Led Zeppelin. Yes, Bowie and Queen of all these fantastic bands. I think that David Bowie had the most influence on my brother, Jerry. His songs were great, but we especially liked his theatrics. When he's saying his songs, talk about Bowie's songs were great, but we especially liked his theatrics. Bowie invented personas, and he would completely become those characters. That's pretty much Jerry did with the Misfits. He created a character with a recognizable devil lock who dresses in black with spikes and darkened eyes. As David Bowie inspired so many others, he also inspired the Misfits. I think of the Misfits as the grandchild of David Bowie and the creature from the Black Lagoon. As Jerry got more, I would and I would throw in the doors there too. Let's throw the doors in there and um, I don't know, doo-wop in general and Ramones. And I think there you have you have it all put together. As Jerry got more into contemporary music, he wanted to learn how to play the bass. He asked for a bass guitar for Christmas. And if I remember correctly, he got his white Rickenbacker. Next, he needed to learn how to play. So he started taking lessons from a man named John Scenix. Everybody liked John. He was a nice guy. He would come over to the house and they would sit by the pool or in the basement. And John would teach Jerry scales and songs. Then Jerry would go off alone and practice. I remember him playing yes songs like Roundabout that had a lot of bass, a perfect song for a starting bassist to exercise his talent. Soon, Jerry began to bring over the other people who were playing instruments, drummers, guitar players, and other bassists and singers, and they would play songs that were popular on the radio. One of those guys was Glenn Danzig. Glenn played keyboards and sang. Of all the guys that were coming over and playing, Glenn was the only of the only one that seemed serious about forming a band. The others were only trying to have fun, like it was a hobby for them. But Glenn and Jerry were serious about what they were doing. Before long, Jerry and Glenn were working on original songs. Punk rock was just beginning, and they were getting started. That is uh, a very interesting perspective on how the misfits started i must say at the beginning uh jerry and glenn's band was kind of primitive the misfits persona wasn't there yet and the songs weren't even about horror movies but they were both so into horror and science fiction and they shared that desire to become larger than life characters so it was only natural that these two would quickly gravitate towards creating the famous misfits persona and mystique now on that 100 yes totally um and and you know i will say this and i'm and it's the honest truth man i i it took me a long time to realize this truthfully long ass time to realize this but at the end of the day the reason why no matter how much we enjoy and i enjoyed uh, i enjoyed it quite a bit no matter how much we enjoy jerry and uh i'm oh, sorry uh danzig and doyle doing doing misfit sets there was something missing from that 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 chemistry that mixture it was jerry dude you need jerry to complete the sound and it's not his vacuum cleaner guitar stuff it's it's the friggin backing vocals dude like it's just him um it's him up there sort of uh you know doing his thing 
uh, completing that that visual look between Jerry and Doyle and filling in Glenn's vocals with his singing. Um, and he's had all these years now of, of, of vocal training. And so when you see the Misfits reunited and, and live, it's great. It's better than it ever was. They sound better than, it, than they ever did. And uh, it's great. Um, but you, you, you have to, you know, at the, the end of the day, you know, as much as Glenn might have been the mastermind, Jerry absolutely added to the Misfits persona. I mean, with his style and his look and the devil lock, he is absolutely, he, he absolutely deserves credit where credit is due in that kind of way. Um, it's just interesting how uh, the, the, the history is being framed here. I guess I can understand uh, from, uh, this is my first time ever reading this. I've never read this before. The Misfits first played with a local drummer named Manny Martinez. I was still quite young and never saw them live. I guess this is real. You know, at the end of the day, that's how I, that's how we need to look at this. This is from Rocky's perspective. Rocky's point of view is that, you know, he was just there and Jerry got a bass and then all of a sudden Glenn is coming over and they're starting a band together and not any which way around. This is being told exactly from Rocky's point of view. Now it makes sense to me. I was trying to, I wasn't really understanding why everything kind of seems a little, I, now I totally get it. Totally get it. Th this makes sense. Uh, the Misfits first played with a local drummer named Manny Martinez. I was still quite young and never saw them live, but I recalled them playing a few small shows here and there. Of course, they were always playing right in front of me, around my house, in the garage, out in the backyard, or down in the basement. The band was initially a three-piece, Jerry on bass, Manny on drums, and Glenn on keyboards and singing. They recorded the Cough Cool She record just like that as a trio. In the fall of 1977, Franche Coma joined on guitar. That addition brought Glenn out from behind the keyboard and put him front and center. Then, at the end of the year, Mr. Jim became the drummer, and the band started doing more sophisticated songs like Theme for a Jackal, Come Back, and Hollywood Babylon. Even as a young kid, I, st uh, I could see that these guys had some really cool original songs. They were good. They had something. Glenn's voice was rich, strong, and manly. He didn't sing like a little girl, like singers in lots of other bands uh, at that time. The Misfits started uh, booking shows with the new lineup, playing new songs. By then, I was old enough to tag along. And to assist, and this is being totally told from Rocky's perspective. I see. I get it. I really get it. Um, as he should. That's how he should tell it. I, I totally. I get it. Um, I would bring. Uh, the, 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 I got confused here. By then, I was old enough to tag along and to assist with setting up and doing whatever I could to help. I would bring my thirty-five millimeter Pent, uh, Pentex camera and take photos. I found. Uh, what they were doing fun and inter interesting. My neighbor across the street taught me how to focus and adjust the light meter. I had a dial on top of the camera to set the film speed inside the viewfinder were waving lollipop and needle like thing. I learned how to move the lollipop to the center of the needle focus and click. And that was it. it it's amazing. You know, when, when you're shooting photos manually, like you really do need to know he, he's making it sound so easy. But it's not, man. That's that's tough, especially in like concert with concert lighting conditions and people marching. 
I mean, when you look at guys like, you know, uh, Rocky taking photos or Erie Vaughn, what Erie Vaughn taking photos, he talks about having to anticipate where the band is going to be and not trying to, um, uh, you know, uh, focus on, on where people currently are. Um, I don't know. Uh, most of the places that the band would play were so small. So getting into position for a good shot was difficult. He was talking about it right now. After we loaded into the venue and set up the gear, I would scope out the venue. I tried to have at least three good locations in order to bring here. I got to switch the sorry. All right. So I, I've been reading ahead. Here we go. Real quick. So that's the next page. And you can see here's some more shots of the band. And there's Jerry in his sort of like Letterman <laughs> sweater that says Teenagers from Mars. And you can see, uh, you know, we can actually kind of read what is on his jacket. What is on Frank's jacket? And it says, stop all this punk stuff. That's what it says. Stop all this punk stuff. That's what's on his uh, jacket. He's wearing two jackets. And... um yeah, I don't know. They, I mean, they definitely look like a band and I love the sort of, I love all the red in there, which reminds me of static age. You know, I think about the misfits in terms of colors, surprisingly enough, I guess you know, that kind of makes sense. When I think about horror business, I think about red, I think about yellow and black. And when I think about static age, I think about, you know, black and white and red. Um, and when I think about like walk among us, I think about like, you know, uh, pink. Uh, and when I think about, Earth AD, I think about, you know, uh, purple and green, one of my favorite color schemes in the whole world, purple and green. When I think about um, three hits from hell, black and red, you know, that kind of thing. It just all like kind of like weird, like interesting pop art dynamics, you know, that kind of thing. Here's where we are on that page, by the way. Uh, where was I? Where was I? Where was I? Where was I? So so he's saying I would always scope out the venue. I tried to have at least three good locations in order to in order to what, Ken? In order to what? Um in order to home my goal of at least one good picture of each guy plus a few full band shots. So that's his goal. Every time he goes to shoot, it's like, let me get one good picture of each guy and a full, uh, a few full band shots. And I mean, that is worth its bread. It's worth, it's worth its bread and butter, right? Like you need to have pictures of your band. If you're in a band and you need, you know, uh, fresh, a constant stream of fresh images to sort of promote yourself. It ain't easy. It ain't easy. Uh, by the way, I see we have a lot of people watching. If it is your first time on this channel, please make sure to like, share, and most of all, subscribe to the channel. We do this all the time. We're constantly we're going live almost every day. We talk about the Misfits often. Lots of different clips of previous shows. If you don't feel like digging, we've been doing this for two years now. So, so make sure you, you check all that stuff out. Um, but you need a constant stream of photos. If you're, you know, going to be taking photos, you know, you're if you're promoting your band, I needed to take 40 or so photos to get one really good one. Think about that ratio, a 40 to one ratio for a good shot.
There was no such thing as a digital camera. I used film and it was expensive. The film itself, the development and the printing were substantial costs. So you got to pay for the call, the film. You got to pay for the development of the film and you got to print that developed film as well. I mean, a lot goes into it, man. We're so spoiled with our digital cameras today. I was just a kid in school. I had no job for money. I would go to our dad's. I would go to our dad's work on Saturday mornings and sweep the place for 20 bucks. And when he's saying his dad's work, they're talking about, I think they're talking about the pro edge factory. I don't know what I know. Uh, he used to make parts for NASA, Jerry's dad, Jerry senior. So there's three Jerry's as far as I know, there's Jerry senior, there's Jerry, and then there's Jerry junior. Uh, there might be more Jerry's. Maybe Jerry's dad was also a Jerry. I don't know. Like what, isn't it interesting though, to think like that, that's like an interest. Those are interesting lineages when you have someone's like, it's like not only am I like it's like father, son, father, son, father, son, but we're all going to like have the same name, too. It's like a continuation of the name. Literally, it's really interesting. when you think about that. Um, we don't have that tradition in in our in our culture and my, my culture from where I'm from. It's not you, you're not allowed to you're not allowed to uh, name yourself after what is it? You're not, allowed, you're not allowed to name yourself after someone else who's alive. That's what it is. It's against it's against the rules or something. Um. So in any case, yeah, they would, it would sweep the place for 20 bucks. Like when, when we were kids, uh, like when we were kids buying model kits, I would scrape up loose change at home to get my shots developed and printed. I remember waiting up to a month to be able to afford to develop my film and see how the photos turned out. And the results were usually a grave disappointment. As the band progressed, I became more involved in helping wherever needed. We built all sorts of stage props together, printed T-shirts. I mean, he saw it all, dude, and stamped buttons. We converted our family garage into a rehearsal studio with a stage, a drum riser, and a lighting rig. We started working on a recording facility to make demos. But before we finished, my parents moved to Vernon, New Jersey. When the Misfits were ready to tour for the first time, they pronounced me tour manager. That sounded like a big, important deal, but at the time, it really wasn't. Don't get me wrong. I was proud that they felt that I was responsible and together, but the tour manager of a beginning band mostly drives 10 hours a day, loads equipment into clubs, helps set up the gear, arranges for lunch, runs to whatever stores open for last minute needs, sells the t-shirts, loads out the equipment late that night, then collects whatever usually amounts to barely enough money to make it to the next town. At the start of 1978, the lineup with Franche Coma and Mr. Jim recorded the Static Age album. From what I remember, Glenn, uh, well, from what I remember, Jerry and Glenn put a lot of effort into getting those recordings released by a record label, but nobody anywhere, nobody, would accept it. Glenn went all over the place da, 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 uh, to get this thing signed and released, but it just never happened. So that summer, they released the Bullet single themselves from the recording sessions. In late 1978, Bobby Steele replaced Franche Cole on guitar and Joey Image replaced Mr. Jim on drums. The new lineup recorded a few singles like Halloween and Night of the Living Dead. Well, that's not uh, it's not Halloween. Um, Halloween was recorded with Googie and Doyle and maybe a guitar. There's a guitar track or two from 
Bobby Steele, but that's, you know, well, we don't even know if that's <laughs> Night of the Living Dead features the horror business lineup. From then on, the band's songs featured predominantly horror themes. Likewise, Jerry started to refine the Misfits image. He decided that his bass was too bland looking for his new persona. I recalled him hunching over his perfect white Rickenbacker with a Sharpie marker. He drew a custom design like dragon or bat wings, then took a jigsaw and cut the base following his sketches. He beveled the edges with a handheld belt sander. And after a few finishing touches from a from a rattle can of black spray paint, spray paint, his base matched his image unique and looked crazy cool. Later, he created a headpiece for the base and attached a skull uh, that made it look like some kind of voodoo king's totem pole. Yeah, I do. Lo- I did love that that skull. It used to dangle for a while, and then he finally fixed it on top, and then it would evolve when he did like that. The devastator, the devastator uh, bass guitar had a had a thing, a thingamabob, a thing or other. Uh, apart from the imagery and the unique look, what I love most about the Misfits is the subject matter, horror and science fiction movies. Other bands have spooky themes, but Misfit songs are all about actual movies such as The Fly, Astro Zombies, and Horror Hotel. When I listen to these songs, I picture the movies playing out in my head. I see the zombies biting someone or I imagine Vampira herself. I can picture all the events and creepy settings of the movies. For me, the strong visual association makes the magic of the Misfits and sets them apart from everyone else. Then... In late 1980, my brother Doyle joined the Misfits on guitar. Arthur Googie had just joined on drums a few years earlier. Doyle and I were still in high school. We both played on the football team. I have a great photo taken by Erie Vaughn of Doyle and me simultaneously from opposite sides, sacking the quarterback of the other team. In fact, Doyle, Erie, dot, 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 dot. Um, here, let me fix this oh yeah you'll be able to see in one second and then meme here we go uh love the shot of glenn he looks like i don't know looks like uh something you would see in a still from high school yeah see it is winter so it's i mean those photos of, of the guys that we're looking at these static age photos you would imagine, I mean, maybe they were taken in either, Jan- they were either taken in January or February or March of, of 1978, right? Um, so where was where was I with what Rocky was saying, uh, Schlock, uh, Kenny? In fact, Doyle Erie Vaughn from Samhain and Danzig, Steve Zing from Samhain and future Misfits drummer, Dr. Chud and I were all in school at the same time. It's kind of funny. We were a regular bunch of miscreants, all the regular kids, although Dr. Chud never hung out with him. Dr. Chud was like a popular sort of like jock kind of guy who used to make fun. He used to play in like a new wave band and he used to make fun of punk rock and stuff. It wasn't until 95 when he, well, he started as the Christ, the conqueror drummer. And then he joined uh, the rest of the guys to to uh, to play in the the uh, comeback misfits. And uh, so, in any case, 
we were a regular bunch of miscreants. All the regular kids would look at us like we were nuts because we would have colored hair and be wearing bizarre clothes. Today, we would be the norm. So true. Isn't that crazy to think? I mean, back then, it really was, you really were an outcast. I mean, today, counterculture and alternative culture and underground culture are so normal and so mainstream now that you wouldn't even blink an eye. You would just go, oh, yeah, that's just what that person is into and go about your business. The Misfits still rehearsed in our garage. Steve Zing would come by and listen to the practices. He lived at the end of our block. He And so Steve would get up on that that same apartment complex and he would just listen out uh, on his roof rooftop, listening to the band. He was a very polite kid. He'd sit outside the garage and just listen. He never asked to come inside to watch. Sometimes the drummer couldn't make rehearsals and I would fill in. There you go. Uh, there's Rocky filling in. I couldn't play drums very well, but I could keep a beat long enough to make it through a Misfit song. Most of them are very short after all. Isn't that interesting? So let's say that 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 Glenn was there. It would be Glenn backed by all three Kaiafa brothers. Um, at least I knew it's funny why they why they never taught him to play the drums. Like if he's already doing that, you would think like, hey, Kenny, let's just get you on the kit. And then here we have an instant band. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it just makes so much sense. Um uh, at least I knew where the symbol crashes were. Still, I'm glad Steve didn't come inside during those sessions. As the band grew more popular, the shows started to get uh, getting larger and the songs kept improving. The operation was going national. Our tours ventured farther away from home. After recording enough new songs for an album, Glenn set up a tour that would go all the way to the West Coast. My brothers and I had never been to California. The idea was for us to start in San Francisco and work our way down to Los Angeles, where we would meet up with a record company and attempt to close a deal to release the Misfits album, Walk Among Us. We landed in San Francisco, rented a van, and found a hotel room on the same street as the venue, the On Broadway. Directly beneath the club was another venue called the Mabuhay Gardens, and when we were dis. Uh, and we were dismayed to learn that Black Flag happened to be playing there that night. That's when Black Flag first met the Misfits. That's when Henry, um, that's when Henry jumped on stage to sing "We Are One Thirty Eight. Uh, that was on Evil Live. Us playing upstairs, them downstairs. We thought that was a big mistake. Instead of either band having a big turnout, we would end up splitting the crowd, and we both had mediocre crowds. The guys in Black Flag, Chuck Dukowski, Greg Ginn, Henry Rollins, Des Kadena, and Robo came upstairs to hear our sound check. They knew our songs, but had never seen us, and they sat in a row of chairs right in front of the stage. We didn't know who they were either. We only knew Black Flag songs. After the first song, they applauded and introduced themselves, the beginning of a lifelong brotherhood. Henry was one of the first of probably millions to get a Misfits tattoo. Dez and Robo both later played in the Misfits. That trip to California turned out to be a pivotal. Uh, that trip to California turned out to be a pivotal, pivotal, pivotal tour. The California punk scene was a little different than back east. The punks there were fewer, wore fewer leather jackets and spikes, more wife beaters. We saw less spiky colored hair and more shaved heads. 
Not as many engineer boots, more like kids, more kids in Doc Martens. We made a lot of good connections. We made, we met new friends and future band members. And best of all, Jerry and Glenn were successful in getting Walk Among Us released through Ruby Records, a division of Slash Records. And they did that with Chris D from the Flesh Eaters. Glenn flew back out there. They remixed the whole album before it was going to be on Plan 9. And that's the Plan 9 version of Walk Among Us that has um, uh, uh, American Nightmare on it without the live version of Mommy, Can I Go Out and Kill Tonight? Uh, that Misfits lineup with Googie did several small tours around the Midwest and the Northeast and the Southeast. Things were going well, and the band's popularity was growing. I was still the driver, roadie, tour manager, merchandise guy, and band photographer. We all worked hard. Believe me, these guys earned what they have. During our travels, we made friends with other bands, including Black Flag, the Necros, and the Meat Men. The Necros and Misfits we did so many shows together. When these bands would tour through the New York area, we would invite them to stay at our house. The bands would show up a day or two early and we would barbecue, go swimming in the pool and play basketball before they'd packed up and go into the city to do their show. If we didn't go with them, we'd be ready at three in the morning to meet them with food, towels for showers and blankets and pillows. It was a really great time for us and our generation in the punk scene. Isn't that beautiful, man? It really is like the camaraderie of and the hospitality. And it still does exist. I in my very small amount of touring that I got to do with a with a punk band, I I definitely got to experience that generosity and camaraderie. And it's a it really is a beautiful thing. Um, and, it, you know, it extends past just like music and like being like a traveling musician and traveling artist. And it really just sort of extends to the idea of just being a traveler and that if you're traveling in a place that's unknown to you, um, that, you know, uh, the measure of a person of the place you're visiting is by the hospitality of strangers and how they treat you. And I just it's just really nice. I love reading stuff like this in 1982. Robo joined the Misfits on the way home from a black flag tour of Europe. Robo being from Colombia and not having a U.S. passport was denied reentry to the States. He was stuck in England for a while before he was permitted to leave. And then dot, dot, dot. Give me one second while I go to the next page here. Just loading it up. There we go. This is the, the final page. He was stuck in England for a while before he was permitted to leave. And then uh, here it is. Sorry. Then he was only allowed to go to Columbia. By the time Robo got back to Los Angeles, Black Flag had already uh, already had a new drummer. So Chuck Dukowski called Glenn and asked if the Misfits wanted Robo. I see. I did not know that that I did not know. Chuck Dukowski called Glenn. Well, at least that's according to that's according to Kenny. Although I don't know. I really don't know how Robo joined the band. I guess that's, you know, Chuck is looking out for Robo. And then, of course, we all know what happened. Go, go see the uh, go see that ugly things episode we did to hear all about how, uh, Glenn and Robo living together uh, at Glenn's house. Really, really funny. Um, Glenn did want Robo. So Robo flew out to be our new drummer. Glenn and I picked him up at Newark Airport. He stayed at Glenn's house for a long time. Then he lived with us. And eventually he went to work at Pro Edge and, uh, for, for Jerry and Doyle's dad as well. The new All the way, even after the band broke up, uh, Jerry, Robo, and Doyle, they were all working at the, at, uh, at the, at the factory uh, up in Vernon. 
Uh, the new, more aggressive Misfits wrote the songs that became Earth AD. When touring resumed, the shows were packed. The band's records were selling. The venues were paying more. The T-shirt sales were booming. Everything was headed in the right direction. Earth AD was recorded in Los Angeles while the Misfits were on tour. A friend of Robo's offered us time for free or close to nothing in the studio I think she owned. Uh, excuse me. Supposedly, the studio had been used by the Beach Boys or the Mamas and the Papas, one of the big time 1960s California bands. I slept on the floor under the mixing board uh, when I slept at all. We worked nonstop during a brief during the brief time we had there. Unfortunately, one of the Earth AD shows marked the end of my Misfits photography. After a show in New Orleans, a group of fans told us about an old graveyard uh, in with above with above ground crypts. At about 3 a.m., we went to check it out, followed uh, followed shortly by the police who arrested most of us. A few hours later, I was done sorting out the bail and red tape, and we returned to our tour van, which thankfully was still out on the street where we had left it. To our relief, the van was all locked up, windows up and doors shut. However, it was facing in the other direction. We soon realized that all of our valuables were missing, including my Pentex camera and undeveloped film from the tour. We think the New Orleans police stole our belongings. The cops had taken the keys from Robo. The van was turned around, so obviously our keys were used. A street criminal would not have bothered to lock everything back up. Um, Rocky was the only one who wasn't arrested that night. He had, he had all the money from the, from the show. That's how he was able to bail all those guys out. And of course they played a joke on Robo and told him they ran out of bail money. Uh, my tour photography ended right there. And none of my Robo and earth AD era pictures survived. That's such a crime. You know what? I want to believe somewhere out there, those rolls of film remain undeveloped. The, the cops that stole that film, they left it in some box and it's in some cardboard box in a basement. You know, they're retired now. Maybe they've died. You know, the kids are, you know, took, you know, dad's belongings and put them up in the attic somewhere. Somehow they're going to unearth those robo earth ad photos uh and we will get to see them i wasn't a great photographer but my photographs ended up on a lot of records most importantly the misfits walk among us almost all these photos inside the jacket came from me this rank amateur i simply did what i could i put the lollipop on the needle focused the camera aimed and shot uh the first period of the misfits was fun but it was a struggle there were a, a little more than a garage band. That's so that's this is interesting too to hear him being around for the second wave as well as being around for the original band and how he kind of views everything. And again, you know, I was a little kind of like hemming and hawing at the beginning because I'm going, that's not how the misfits began. You know, like my my nerd my nerd was coming out. Hey, actually, that's not you know the guy who was freaking there. But I, again, like this is all from his perspective. You know, so it's interesting how like, and even when I was interviewing him, like there were times where like you know, and I and I don't blame the guy. It's like you know that all that stuff had happened thirty years ago, and you know memories. Um, you know, spending so many doing so many shows with both bands. You know, it's like it's like it's hard to sort of you know pull memories apart and kind of recall this versus that 
especially when you have, you know, somebody asking you incredibly detailed questions. So it's interesting how he uses the first period of the misfits was fun, but it was a struggle. They were a little more than a garage band. The honesty of the first incarnation came from what we did in our garage. I love that line. The honesty of the first incarnation came from what we did in our garage and putting it on stage in front of people. That's how punk rock worked. Oh my God. That's beautiful. The honesty of the first incarnation came from what we did in our garage and putting it on stage in front of people. That's beautiful, man. That was how punk rock worked. We had big imaginations, but even so, we never imagined that what we did, sorry, but even so, we never imagined that what we and our friends were doing would become something permanent. The music industry was completely against us, and we didn't see how that could change with time. Regardless, we had fun, and I am thankful and grateful that I could be a part of that. Most of all, I'm proud. We all did all right for a bunch of guys from New Jersey. So did our friends in Ohio, California, and elsewhere. The Misfits are everywhere now. The songs are classics, and their reunion concerts are massively attended by tens of thousands of people all over. I see skeleton finger gloves, tattoos, shirts, even misfit shoes walking among us. <laughs> the band has also paid back its big screen influ uh, sorry, the band has also paid back its big screen influence in a way. If you watch any sort of horror movie today, chances are that you'll see a misfit skull appear on screen. Misfits fans love to. And I, I'll tell you, I'll be watching something on Netflix. I'll be watching something anywhere. I'll go, someone's going to snap a photo of that and post it somewhere. And it always happens, man, because this fandom, we get so excited when we see, oh, 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 look, it's a Crimson Skull. It's a Crimson Skull. What? That's so cool. Like that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> um, if you, if you want... One, win one winter, I went skiing, and while gliding down the mountain, someone came zooming by me wearing Misfits ski clothes. The band, de that was definitely a Jerry-only product. The band definitely became something cool. My brothers and Glenn are world famous all the way from New York to Australia and background. You hear that, Robbie? From New York to Australia, not from New Jersey to Australia. All you guys. From New York, uh, uh, Joe Truck, Steve Zing, all you guys. You hear that? New York to Australia, not New Jersey, and back around. To reach any farther, you would have to go to the moon or travel all the way back to Mars. That is, you know, Kenny, that is beautiful, man. That is so pretty. What a, what a beautifully, it's, that is an eloquent, um, eloquent friggin' uh, thing. I see. Wow. We have a lot of people here. It's so great. I'm so happy that there are so many people here uh, to uh, to to talk with us. And uh, I just want to say, if it's your first time here, please take a moment to subscribe, uh, like this video, leave a comment, uh, buy a cup of coffee if you feel like it, if you're feeling froggy, any, anything helps. Check out the Patreon. We do a lot of Patreon content. Um, if you want to see clips from my interviews with Kenny outtakes of my clips that will probably never make it into the project I'm working on. You've got to check out the Patreon. go uh, and, and, and 
sign up, watch all the videos. More coming. Um, love from Chile. I like that. That's his perspective. That's his perspective. Everyone else, it's Joyzy. That's not not from the brother of the band. It's not. <laughs> Actually, I'm sure if we 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 said, "Hey, Kenny, are the Misfits a New Jersey band?" He'd be like, "Yeah, they are." So, hey, we got somebody in the UK here. Three thirteen a.m. Beautiful. I love that. I'm sure there's so many comments in here, you guys. I'm so sorry. I've been very. Fu- I've done a good job though. I stayed focused, guys. I stayed focused. I didn't. I didn't deviate. The comments are what get us into trouble, you know, with, with, with our programming. Some some shows are are for, you know, um, socializing and some shows are for, you know, f- uh, studying the academia of, of the literature or whatever. Um, let's continue, shall we? We're going to we're going to keep we're going to keep going here um, on to the next picture. Boom. Well, let's take a look at some of these pictures. And like I said, this is a this is a part one here. We will we will be back for um, a part two because we can't get through everything. So here's another photo, slightly out of focus. Um, they're drinking. I don't know if they're they drinking Red Stripe or something. I can't really read what's on Glenn's shirt. It looks like it says help, maybe. I don't know. I love studying their clothes, though. It's so, you know, people obsess over Kiss's outfits, like all the different eras of Kiss and stuff. Um. But it's, I don't know, it's just really kind of cool to kind of look at all the different eras of the Misfits. I mean, in these seven years alone, they changed so much in appearance, just like the Beatles did, just like just like Kiss did. Uh, you know who stayed the same, really, is the, the Ramones, right, for the most part. All right, so look at the, this. Is, this is such a funny photo shoot. Uh, here is Jerry. These are home photos in Lodi. So this is at um, this is on Grove Street where where Jerry's house was uh, the birth of a misfit and the devil's lock uh, late 1978. As evident from these photos, Jerry was the first to grow the devil's lock. It started as a widow's peak and it grew out into the unique uh, hair associated with the band. Nobody had done that before. Um, and you'll notice, you know, it's funny. Look at how like he, he you could very much see. Look. In this photo up here, he's got spiky hair. And then this photo here, he can also comb it into a widow's peak the way he does. And it's he's trying to make the Superman-esque curl, and he just gets longer and longer and longer. And just a really great sort of uh, um, thing. I'm, You know, here's the thing about Glenn. I'm sure if you ask Glenn... Hey, Glenn, are the Misfits a New York band? He would say they're from New Jersey. And I and if you said, hey, Glenn, are the Misfits a New Jersey band? He'd say they're from New York. They're more of a New York band. He would say whatever the opposite of what you asked him. Um, what else is interesting to notice about these photos here? This is a very Sid Vicious photo of Jerry, right? Like that's him really doing the uh, the, the the Sid Vicious kind of thing. Um what what I always found interesting about Jerry talking about incorporating like the look or the 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 life, um, you know, taking from your life your real life and incorporating it here. Uh, Ace here says the Dave Vanian influence is pretty apparent in these picks. I was also going to say like 
where does this come from? The, 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 the face paint, it comes from Jerry was a football player and he used to, that's what you do when you're a football player. And he's like, Hey, this would go really great with my ghoul rock look. So I'm going to incorporate the fact that I used to be a football player into my aesthetic. That's really cool. You know, that's pretty cool when you think about it. All right, let's move on here. Some more, some more shots. And what's funny is that you just imagine, I, I guess this is actually, um, this is what's his face taking a picture of, uh, th- these are all Kenny's photos, taking pictures of his brother. I always thought these photos were on a timer actually. Um, but it's just funny how many, just the constant photos Jerry just feels like doing a photo shoot in his house, just taking photos with his brother, getting his, forcing his brother to shoot. I like this one. The the vampire one right here down below is cool. I don't know if you guys can see that. Um, Yeah, Amy, you're right. Switching from blue makeup to black makeup. Exactly. And. um, Yeah. Yes. Yes. Bendidi. Yes. Bendidi. Feed the needy. Um, but yeah, look at all these different looks that, I mean, some of these are really goofy, I, I, but what you ultimately, what you really see here is you see a guy who's constantly trying to redefine his look and, you know, trying to figure out what his look is going to to be right. In some ways he just keeps trying stuff. Hey, I'm going to play dress up and try out some stuff and, and see what sticks and what doesn't that kind of thing. Here we go. There's another uh, iconic photo of the band that we've seen uh, time and again, many times over. Uh, and I love that uh, Frank is wearing a tuxedo jacket with that's sleeveless. And I never noticed that uh, Mr. Jim has a uh, black electrical tape over whatever the logo was on his shirt. I wonder if that was uh, forced upon him um, or if, if this is, but they really, they look like a gang right there. Uh, oh, this was in the garage. I didn't realize that. So this was in the Kayafa family garage. I never knew that. How about that? So that's also the, hey, let's get together, Grove Street, take some band photos. Um, Let's see what's next. It's coming. There we go. There's another one, another couple. And... um. Glenn has that he Glenn wrote Glenn Danzig on the back of his jacket there. Yeah, this is an interesting look. See, Jerry's back. Jerry's got that blue hair. Still got the blue hair doing all sorts of stuff with it. Uh, and, and Jim is the only guy who's dressed kind of normally. You know what I mean? Like he's just wearing kind of street clothes. Everybody else is trying to do something. You know, Glenn's going for this shirtless jacket look, I guess. Um. God, look at these photos like a hundred times. There is some band, uh, singular band, band shots. I like this shot of Frank here. That's cool. I think he looks better without the uh, without the shirtless uh, tuxedo. Um, Robbie says, "I've asked Jim before what was on that. He said he was wearing a Sparks shirt and he put tape over it. So there you go. It's probably as." It's probably as punk as as Jim gets in that kind of way, like you know, like dressing up. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't really dress up too much in the photos that are available, at least. Maybe he did. 
Jim looks like a Vietnam vet, says JD. And <laughs> I'm high. <laughs> um, interesting. So those are those. These are also from early 1978. All right, we're going on to our next photos here and waiting for them to load and whatnot. More shots. Uh, I, I think Jerry looks so great here. Ferocious. Cool photos of these guys. Still just, you know, they're still just trying to find, they're still trying to find that horror look. They haven't quite got there yet. That's more of like a street, street getup, I guess. Jerry is like, grr, ferocious Wolverine. Um, here's Glenn in his, in his bedroom. And we've seen this photo before. Um, and behind him is a picture of Marilyn. And I think you can see all of the, you can see some records on his shelves behind him. Really cool photo of, of Danzig. I like this photo a lot. It's cool. Uh, there's another one from this set. There's two of these. And this is from mid 78. It's too bad. There aren't any dates on the back of those photos. They, they had to kind of guesstimate, I guess that kind of thing. This is at Max's Kansas city. Max's Kansas City, you know, we talk all the, you know, you hear all the time about CBGB. CBGB is kind of like downtown a little bit. And Max's Kansas City is uptown. And when when I say downtown and uptown, I'm really just talking about like 20, 20 city blocks or something. Um, I think, no, more than that, 30, 30 blocks. Uh, but, you know, CBGB's is on the, the skid row of New York, the Bowery. And... Park uh, Park Avenue is where is where Max's Kansas City was. I believe it was on Park Avenue. Uh, park in like 23rd or something, 24th. And this is in the dressing room, right? The backstage area, getting ready for a show. And there's the lockers behind uh, Glenn. Now, the, the guy who booked him, there's Joey Image off to the side, off to the left side. Uh, the guy who booked, um, who booked these shows, the musical director Peter Crowley, uh, who I interviewed for for my project, he 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 was the guy who dealt with the Misfits. He remembered the the Bullet single. Glenn brought him the Bullet single, and he liked it a lot. That's what got them the gig at Max's. That was a big gig. Talk about you know. Uh, establishing themselves as a New York band that happens at, at a place like Max's Kansas city, right? Uh, super important. And here's early 1979. So even still the, uh, the uh, devil lock is not there yet. Jerry's base. Look, Jerry's wearing one black glove and one, and, and one, and he doesn't have a, an, another glove, just one. Thank you. Okay. It was between 17th, uh, 18th and 17th street on park park avenue i think and um yeah there, there's jerry's rickenbackers well i don't know if that's a, I don't know if he had that's different from his white rickenbacker or if that's the white wicked rickenbacker that he painted black but eventually he would take the the he would do what Kenny was saying that was really cool. That was like a, the oral history of the band from Kenny Kaiafa. Um, pretty sweet. And Glenn is wearing long black leather dining gloves, kind of doing an Iggy pop thing. Iggy used to wear gloves like that. That's what I imagine that 
he got that um, sort of idea, inspiration to do that from. And, you know, I mean, look, he's wearing white. They're not they're not all like dressed in black completely just yet. And, you know, Jerry, Jerry's got that. He still has the uh, the, the the choker, the chain choker with uh, the lock lock around his neck and whatnot. Um, man, what I wouldn't give to hear that set that they're playing right now. So cool, though. So freaking cool. And there's Joey image behind him. Um, let's go to the next photo here. There's more cool shots. Cool shot. And there you see Bobby Steele for the first time. And yeah, they, I mean, they still have a very cool look. They look like they're straight. They look like they're in, uh, you know, they look like they're part of a punk band, you know. Um, today, Max's Kansas City, I think, is a subway like a subway sandwich shop or, or a hair salon or something. <laughs> oh, Steve is like, who cares? Steve zing everybody. Steve, we know you love you. Steve loves Steve cares more than any of us. Steve is a, Steve is a ginormous, ginormous misfits fan too. He loves the misfits. He does. Uh, we were talking about you earlier, Steve, when Kenny Kenny was talking about you and his uh, his history, his oral history of of the band, and you he he was so glad that you uh, never uh, came into the practice, or at least according to him, that you never dropped by to uh, jump behind the kit when he was behind the kit or something like that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I I really like these photos of the band. It's like this weird sort of, you know, in between period, you know? And I mean, to play Max's Kansas city, that's, what's going to put you on the map. Right. Um, and then, you know, of course, opening for the damned helps too. I, I think opening for the damned is the real like watershed moment. And, but playing Max's Kansas city, like definitely, it's like a something, a galvanizing moment as well. Some more shots here. Cool. Really, really, really cool. I love the one glove. The one glove look, the glove child look is fun with the black glove. Can't load these photos fast enough. Um, if you are just joining us for the first time, please make sure, take a moment to subscribe, like, Share here we go. So here is Max's can. Uh, this is at Irving Plaza. These are some of the best photos ever taken of the Misfits, and we can see already a dramatic change in what they are doing in their fashion and stuff. Look at um, now this jacket. Jerry would have this jacket all the way through the resurrected era of the Misfits with the with the red felt sewn on you could see him he kept that jacket and this is when the jacket still had uh the sleeves and eventually he cut those sleeves off and then he just started what he's wearing is a weight belt that he's turned around and he's put little studs on it and i don't know i guess it's kind of like uh like a i don't know like a like a uh, whatchamacallit uh um a wrestling it's kind of like a wrestling thing i always wondered why does jerry 
wear those straps around his arm armpits uh, around his uh, arm armbands. And I guess it's like kind of like a, a wrestling kind of thing. And of course, this is my favorite version of Glenn Danzig, like my favorite, like it's just the best dude. He's wearing the skull face. He's got the bone shirt on every like everybody in the world that did some sort of horror rock thing afterwards would imitate this this look. Uh, and it's just it's dude, it's legendary. Um, there's Joey image behind him. They got the horror business stuff. Um, Tony Matura, who we've had on the show, he was at this. He was at this gig. Really cool. Really, really, really cool. Um, yeah, man, I, I love. I never get sick of looking at these photos. Really, truly. I mean, Kenny. Kenny got some great, some great, great shots. Uh, yes, he does have the crimson ghost on his on his boot. I mean, this is when they just sort of embraced the crimson ghost, right? You know. Um, they, they finally put it on. Here's some great. I mean, that's my favorite. That's my favorite version of Jerry only too. by, by far. This is my favorite version of Jerry only like his whole look and everything. He just looks awesome, dude. He looks awesome. I would give anything to hear this show. It, it does exist on tape. It was shot. It was recorded. It may still be intact. I can tell you two songs that were played at this set from, from, uh, I do know that, Rat Fink was played, and I know that they played the Monster Mash, and Tish, uh, Tish and Snooky sang the Monster Mash with the Misfits when they played this. Um, here you go. You can see Rat Fink is on the set list over here. You can't really see much of the, the other set list, but uh, you could see the Mad. The Mad opened up for the Misfits, and you can see their set list right there. And look, there's the skull that 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 um, that Kenny was talking about dangling from jerry's base stock you know and that would evolve eventually that would then go on to the base stock and it was very crumbly it would break very easily and then he when he got his uh devastate his uh, annihilator devastate whatever the devastator base he um he he would make he turn into like a cyclops skull and then that's how you know you get the cyclopean music kind of thing really cool really cool stuff um Let's see what else here. Yeah, great photo of Jerry. Just friggin' cool. Look, you can see, look at all the smudges on that base there on that Rickenbacker. From my understanding, the Rickenbacker base is a very heavy base. I think it's the coolest looking base, man. That's the base that Lemmy from Motorhead has. I don't know. He's wearing what are those things? Garter. What's the thing that you put on when you're when you're getting married? He just got the coolest look, dude. He's got two skulls dangling from his chain necklace and he's got a chipped tooth, man. And he's wearing a football makeup. I mean, he's just such a unique, cool look, even at that time, you know, it, it really is. It's like taking the Ramones thing to the next level. That's what it is. Right. Um, go to the next photo here. I think we can make it through the rest of these photos. Just cool shots, cool shots of Glenn, man. And look at the, look, you could see the orange balloons underneath cheap Halloween decorations, uh, pumpkins. Um, Robbie says that's an expensive base, huh? And just, I always wondered, you know, I always, when I would look at these photos, now are these leather gloves, are these like the, did he cut those himself and that those are the, 
the, the leather gloves that were the Iggy gloves with the really like the long dining gloves. And he just sort of trimmed them and painted the, uh, the skeleton skeleton stuff. And I also wonder this too, is this the first time that he did the skeleton, uh, the skeleton getup? Eventually the, um, this would be immortalized on the back of legacy of brutality, you know, and, um, the, you know, uh, dancing in the skull paint and the, the, the skeleton get up. That's what everybody, I mean, that's what, I mean, that's turning something that's real into like myth, I guess. I don't know. And you know, when you were to watch it, you'd be like, yeah, this is really cool and yada, yada, yada. But there's something about like these photos, these black and white photos, not being born me personally. I was not born when this happened. I was born in 85. So this was six years before I was born. Um, so to me, it's like, it's all mythology, you know, and that's what makes it so cool to me. You know, that's why I, I enjoy this stuff. I enjoy looking at this stuff so much and I never get sick of it. I really don't. For the most part, I don't. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I take a break and I venture off into some other fandom that I'm really into. And this right here. Okay. This is my favorite photo of the misfits bar none. It's this photo. I think pretty positive. Uh, no, there's one more that is actually my favorite. This is partially my favorite. And look at all the streaming paper uh, below. They, they were they were throwing out copies of uh, Bullet into the audience, according to Tony. And um, this giant, so uh, speaking of Steve Zing, I don't know if he's, he probably left. Who cares that we're talking about the Misfits, right, Steve? No, um, this thing was actually in Steve's possession, this giant Misfits banner thing. It was made out of chicken wire. And when they left, when they left Vernon, when they left for Vernon, uh, Steve acquired it and he had it for years. I think he sold it. Um, he has Steve has some really cool stuff. And um, yeah, I don't know. Eventually it would they would just ditch, I mean, they would ditch their shirts and they just were like barbarians shirtless, you know, and Jerry just wearing the backwards weight belt. <laughs> oh, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Let's go to the next photo, shall we? I feel like I'm doing a slideshow. I feel like a teacher. All right. Here. So, all right. So the, here is them in um, in Hollywood. Their first time on the uh, out on the coast. I always thought Glenn looked really, really silly in this photo. He just, it's a weird, he's doing a weird pose. He probably thinks he looks cooler than he does. Um, Jerry looks awesome. And Doyle looks bad. They they all look great, except for Glenn. Glenn does not look good in this photo. They, they all look awesome. They look like a real, really cohesive. I love this look of doing like the boot with like the, uh, whatever it is, the, uh, the bandanas around the boot. That's a really cool look. And, um, you know, it's funny, Jerry's devil lock is like slicked all the way forward and stuff. And Doyle's devil lock is like, it's like spiky in the back. It's, it's Doyle's is more of a reverse mullet because it's party in the back and business. Wait, no, that's not how it works. It's punky in the back and party in the front. Uh, I don't know how to, I don't know. How, it really is. It's a reverse rat tail. It, it's. It, you know, Bobby Steele actually said it. Um, Bobby Steele said it the best. Um, he said, uh, he said that the that that this was the look 
This was the 50s greaser look. This is, uh, so I don't know, how, how did he phrase it? He said, the misfits were 50s greasers of the future. Like, if you're looking at the future from the 50s, that, then you would see the misfits. I, I, I don't know if that makes sense. It makes sense to me when he said it. Ace says, I always thought GD's pose was emulating a zombie walk, an EC comics kind of thing. You might be right. Very possible. Very, very possible. But nonetheless, and he's got he does not have an Iceman. I think that's a Les Paul or a knockoff Les Paul that uh, Doyle's playing. And it's like they're just walking around California. They're they're walking around. Cal- yeah. Post-apocalyptic greasers. I like that prone. Um, <laughs> just, they're just walking around. Uh, what's up, crazy white boy? How you doing? Uh, yes. Noodles does love Bobby Steele. Always likes talking about Bobby. I like that post-apocalyptic greasers. Um, they're just walking around with their guitars always like, like, it's just like a, like it's a pocketbook. Like it's your wallet. The Jerry only constantly carrying around his guitar, you know, I guess maybe cause they wanted to take photos, but still, and I've talked about this before how, you know, um, at least Doyle and Jerry, they're kind of like uh Pokemon, you know, like the Pokemon, they always evolve and stuff. And, uh, these guys kind of like aren't in their final form yet. Or if you if you're into like uh, Dragon Ball Z, you know, they, they the spiky hair, like, you know, growing and growing and growing and growing. They haven't reached their final form, final form yet. Um, uh, he says this is what Kenny says. My brothers and I had never been to California before touring. For me, the whole trip was exciting and interesting. I remember running to the Pacific Ocean, touching it, and feeling like I made it to the other side. That is a be- that's a beautiful feeling, I think. Truly, truly. Um, waiting for the next photo. I didn't think we were going to make it through all these photos. Okay, so this is November twentieth, nineteen eighty-one. Four years and five days before I would be born. Uh, this was the on Broadway. So this was the night. I guess this was the night that they met Black Flag. Yeah, that was the night they met Black Flag. And that was the night that uh, Henry sang vocals on We Are 138. The on Broadway was an old stage theater. I was happy that it had a balcony. From that high vantage point, I could get a full stage shots with all four band members in the frame. This proved to be a great opportunity to capture the big picture. Black Flag was playing downstairs at Hay Gardens, and the two bands met each other for the first time that day during the Misfits sound check. Cool beans. Cool beanios. Here's some more shots. Somebody's peeking from behind the curtain. I love that big red velvety curtain. It kind of reminds me of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. How great would the Rocky Horror Picture Show have been if the, the curtain came up during the floor show and the Misfits played Vampira? <laughs> that would be fun. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty great. It's pretty cool. And they're just doing their thing. Looks like someone's calling out to them, I guess. I don't know. Um, that's a nice stage. Uh, all right. We're on four, 43. Uh, if it is your first time joining us, I'd just like to say thank you so much 
Thank you for just for participating in the chat. I'm sorry we're not getting to all the comments. We'll do we'll do a quick thing of comments afterwards. Um, please take a moment to subscribe to this channel. We do this all the time. We're constantly doing stuff. Did you know we're doing a, a devil lock pageant? That's right. If you go and look at the previous episode from last week, you will find out uh, more information for the devil lock. So it's called devil lock pageant pageanta fuge two. Pageant Fuge 2. Uh, we're going to have a panel of judges and people are going to send in their Devilock pictures and uh, we're going to rate them and declare a pageant winner. And we, we have two contests running. Go watch the episode to find out more information. Download the instructions. There's a Google Drive link. Make sure you do that. And like I said, if, if it's your first time here, like, share, subscribe. Check out the Patreon. If you like, if you want to hear more stuff from Kenny, go check out the Patreon. We have uh, uh, outtakes of, of Kenny's interviews, stuff that will never make the documentary project that we're working on. Um, that's right. Be a Patreon. You can't look forever. Patreon, Patreonage. I just want to say a quick shout out to my Patreons who are out there. Um, that's That stuff keeps this going. That keeps this happening. That sort of stuff. You watching these videos, that keeps it happening too. But the Patreon and, you know, again, just turning up that really how all that stuff helps. Uh, even just letting your ad run. <laughs> Damn YouTube ads. Um, here's some more. All right. All right. Back back to our scheduled programming. Um, here's some more photos. We have the Cuckoo's Nest, a very popular uh, L.A. place. I, I know the um, TSOL used to play there a lot. Circle Jerks. Oh, I said the word. No, I said the bad word. Dang it. Oh, I always get in trouble for that word. Um, great shots, though. Glenn and the crossbones, the iconic crossbones shirt, and some early um, Crimson Ghost armbands looking great. And the devil locks are really just forming, as we can see here. That was November 27th, uh, shortly Three three years and sixty three days before I was born. That's how I measure these things. Hold on one second. Okay, here's some more shots. I love that. Now, Glenn took that 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 skull and bones. You've seen that a lot. That comes from an, an, a Japanese anime called uh, Captain Harlock, and he's like a space pirate and. Glenn was really into anime before it was really cool to be into anime. And he was watching stuff like Astro Boy, just all that stuff. He was into that stuff. And, you know, you can almost see that a lot of Glenn's look comes from Captain Harlock with the hair in the face. Glenn's Glenn's Devil Lock is a little bit more bushy. He always kind of said that he kind of started the Devil Lock. I think it was Jerry. Uh, Glenn was trying to do his own thing of what Jerry was doing, but his, his is more Eddie Monster-ish. In my, I'm a bigger fan of the Glenn style devil lock. I like that big sort of werewolf tuft of hair that comes down. I think it looks cooler. Uh, just my own personal taste. Um, so yeah, what was that 44 up to 45? Our slideshow. <laughs> this is a slideshow. Uh, we've seen this in, this is an image we've seen a lot. And you can see this choker, uh, Elizabeth EVB. She was in possession of this. I was at her house 
And I saw that choker that Doyle's wearing right there on a box. I was like, oh, my God, I recognize that from photos. And look, here's the evolution of Jerry's base now. Now it's been really like sort of uh, done up with the jigsaw. And he's wearing those arm spaghetti string things. Uh, his pants are unbuttoned again. And he added a big M. Look, he, he jigsawed out at like a roto sawed a big M onto the headstock. And he put this skull. Now, these skulls. I, from what I understand, they were actually really heavy uh, and they were really, really brittle. So they would break really easy and he had molds. So he would make a new one and fix it on top of the the, the headstock. And then again, eventually he was able to, re- he was able to get the, uh, the, he would, he would do uh what's it called? Um, he'd not out of latex, out of like uh rubber. He'd make rubber ones, I guess that, that were easier, easier to work with. That wouldn't break so easily is what I really mean to say. And the misfits were infamous for these, for these uh, engineer boots. And I'll tell you, have you ever tried wearing a high cut boot? I have a pair of biker boots. They're not engineer boots. And I, whenever I try to tuck my pants into them, I just look like a doofus, man. You, you have to wear really, really, really tight pants in order to wear boots over your, 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 your jean, or else you're just going to look like a goofy pirate. Like, um, you, 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 you need, and the thing is the engineer boot has a strap on the top and it kind of opens, it kind of opens up for your pant leg to sort of fit in a little bit better. It looks better. And you can see back here, there's Doyle's Iceman. So he did have the Iceman and his is all jigsawed up as well. Right. Um, and this is, I guess this is a, either a Les Paul or Les Paul knockoff, but he had two guitars for that tour. Um, let's see here up to 46, page 46. I wish I had the slide. We need the slideshow, uh, uh, sound noise. And you can see right here, look at the engineer boot. See how the buckle is all actually undone and the pant leg is tighter and the boots are actually kind of baggy. Look how baggy or, you know, loose fitting that engineer boot is. So the, the, the jean pan or whatever he's wearing, the spandex, they, they easily will sort of, uh, it'll go right in. I, I love engineer boots, man. I think they are, they are super cool. Look at Glenn's mug there. Mean mug in there. Um, great shots of the band though. This is a great shot. This shot of Doyle is a great shot. Um, I, I, I like Doyle's devil lock too, man. He does it real punky style, you know, spiking it up in the back. Um, such a, such an interesting look, man. It, it kind of blows my mind that the devil lock did not become more, more, a more popular hairstyle. It's really still very synonymous with the misfits. Do you think it would be, would have become more widely adopted than it did, but you know, it is, it is a hairstyle. It is a punk rock hairstyle, I guess. Um, Here's another shot. Maybe this is at the beginning because Glenn's still wearing his jacket. He hasn't taken. Yeah, they haven't taken off their jackets yet. Um, cool, really, really cool. And there's a very famous shot of TSOL for the for the TSOL EP, the first EP. Look, Doyle actually has three guitars. I never noticed that before. Wow. So Jerry has two basses. See, look, there's Jerry's bass back there. He had two different basses, and uh, Doyle had three guitars. Huh. Well, how about that? I, I never noticed that before. 
And anyway, this was the this was the stage. Uh, Ed Ed Culver took a picture of TSOL, that iconic photo that's on their self titled EP. Um, where are we at? Forty eight. Okay, going to page forty eight. My little clicker. Is that the sound it makes? Here we go. And here they are, of course, Marilyn Monroe, Alfred Hitchcock, uh, some sort of harpy right there. We got um, some sort of uh, donation just occurred from East. East, thank you so much. I don't. I, I really appreciate the support. I can't see who is East. East just supported the channel, and it it's greatly appreciated. It's not showing up on my thing. I just got a little notification here, but I just want to thank you for your support. Um, thank you. Truly. Uh, so, yeah, these are cool photos. I mean, all the photos we're looking at are pretty cool. Hollywood Babylon. Just geeking out, right? Over the Hollywood stars and whatnot. There's that one of the Misfits wrote. It was like uh, they, they put uh, 666 on the thing. On the thing. Um, 49. 49. Keep going here. Let's see what comes next. More, more of Glenn down on his down on the pavement, and they got the Captain Harlock uh, uh, skull and crossbones right there. Pretty cool. I don't know what this photo is. I guess it's just uh, walk walkway. I don't know our next one here ah uh, yes the bullwinkle this this really foreshadows what what glenn glenn would come to embrace the bullwinkle skull as they would call them. moose fits on sunset boulevard i don't know if that's still around but they took look at all these photos they took with bullwinkle they thought that was a good idea these are very silly photos um i wish one of them had had jumped up to hang hang up with the the moose and the squirrel or the squirrel i should say up here look how disheveled it is too Interestingly enough, how about that? Um, takes forever to load up. Here we go with Mi Mighty Mouse. I guess that's supposed to be Lon Chaney from the Phantom of the Opera. Here's some really great shots, though, of of their of their hairstyles once again. I mean, Jerry's really doing this sort of uh, comb forward sort of thing. Doyle's spiking it up. And Glenn, Glenn's is more of a mop top. And then Googie the Misfit. Look at Googie's mug here. The Misfit within the Misfits with the blonde spiky hair. <laughs> Couldn't get with the program, Goog. Couldn't get with the program. This is a fun shot, though. Like it. This was at Universal Studios. Of course, they did Universal Studios. As you do when you're in Alley, right? God, Doyle must be so Doyle is 17 there. Isn't that crazy? That's him just hanging out. And you could tell, as as Kenny has said, he was an amateur photographer. And a lot of these photos are not, you know, the, the composition is uh not the best, you know. Like this would this one would work a lot better if you just sort of cropped it right here. 
And Kenny is just doing the best that he can with the knowledge that he has and all of his responsibilities as he takes these photos. Um, 53. Going to 53. And again, they're just walking around Universal with their guitars. I yes, there's Jaws. I mean, they're just like casually just walking around with their guitars slung over. Uh, I never noticed that Googie has an American flag hanging off his leather jacket and white pants tucked into his engineer boots, which are shorter than the other guy's engineer boots. Um, I really like Doyle's. Doyle's are great. Uh, just love this style. Love the style. Love the look. 53, 54. See, ah, uh, yes, we're leaving on a jet plane. Don't know when we'll be back again. You can see, and now you'll notice on on the back of Doyle's jacket, he's painted on this this uh, crimson crimson ghost here, and that's what they would do at a lot of shows. They did it in Samhain too. You, you could just bring your jacket, and they had a stencil, and they'd spray paint the misfit shirt right on the back of that jacket, something like that. I don't know if that's what 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 happened on the back of Doyle's jacket, but. You know, if, if the mistress were touring through the town, they would do that, you know, spread the mark, that kind of thing. Um, and here's what's known. I forget what they call these the Mongolian haircuts at some point. Uh, but as you can see, why, why is, why is, what's with the awkward shaving on the side? That's how you, that's how you cultivated your devil lock. You got to, you know, <laughs> you got to shave the sides of your head. It's going to look really awkward until it grows in, I guess. Uh, it was a not a good look. Not a good look for those guys. Uh, and you'll see Jerry looks like a goon, like a real goon. They both look like goons in this. This was December 25th. This was Christmas uh, 1981. Uh, Hitsville, Passaic Park, New Jersey. As the band began writing the Harder Earth AD material, they developed an image inspired by the movies The Hills Have Eyes and Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. On Christmas Day of 1981, Glenn was still wearing his handmade Captain Harlock shirt, but the haircuts were moving into a mutant style. Note Corey Rusk and Todd Swalla of the Necros and Earl Liberty of Saccharine Trust and the, and the CJs in the front row. There's Earl right there. And there's uh, Todd Swalla and Corey Rusk. <laughs> cool. I never realized that. I never, I never realized that was them. Um, yeah, mutant style. Look at Jerry, man. Look at that haircut. Now, here's the thing I want to wonder. I, I, I have to wonder this. Here's what I have to wonder. Was this, in fact, an attempt? I always assumed that this was just an attempt to... Uh, uh, sort of upkeep the devil lock, but in reality, would you really need to do all that? In in fact, is it? I mean, is this just their way of like ensuring that the front part of the hair is going to be longer than the back part, or are they as as Kenny was saying in the previous thing about the mutant hairstyle? Are, are they trying to go in a in a completely different direction by butchering their hair? and trying to do something even more extreme than a devil lock. I ne that never occurred to me until this moment that it's possible uh, that, that that would, that that's possible. Interesting. 
But yeah, Jerry looks <laughs> Jerry looks crazy in these photos. Um, really, truly, truly, really, really, truly, it does have a hills have vibes vibe. Look at him, dude. Googie was like, "I'm not a part of that. I'm not going to do that." Um, and I don't think Doyle did either. It was just it was just Jerry and Glenn got the bright idea. I mean, that is a weird haircut for Glenn. It just that's weird. Not a fan of that. And Doyle was like, I'm not doing this. Look at the Poland Spring bottle water, bottle a jug of water over here. Um nine. Yeah, it is kind of like a mohawk. And that is the okay, so this is what the back of the book looks like. This was not the total book. I only had part of the book. I'm gonna get into that one second. Let's just read this real quick. They landed in Barron Fields in the cold New Jersey plains. Starting in 1977, Glenn Danzig and Jerry only spawned a punk rock B in uh, B movie invasion from mythical Lodi, New Jersey. Ken Kayafa, brother of Jerry and Misfits guitarist Doyle, captured the evidence of the band's gestation during its classic DIY era, including home photos and and sightings. Uh, from Irving Plaza, Max's Kansas City, the uh, the Rock on Broadway, and the Cuckoo's Nest. Nest. Music photo legend Frank White picked up the trail of the band's uh, sequel mutation, documenting monster video shoots and stage landings from CBGB, CBGBs to giant festivals in Europe. Between them, the bro and the pro, uh, White and Kayafa present the authoritative visual history of three decades of violent seduction by punks, inspired teenagers from Mars, the misfits. So that's where the book ends. And it used to retail for $34.95. And now, like I said, it goes for hundreds of dollars, $200, $250 maybe. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot of money. Um, So it's kind of like, it's kind of, I mean, you can't, it's, it's hard to get, it's hard to get your hands on these books. So I figured, why not? Let's, let's read through it. Um, That's all I have of that chapter i am currently uh procuring the other half is coming to me and we will do a part two that will probably be uh, a little bit goofier maybe i don't know we'll see um but we're going to take a look at, at, at the part two of this book and and the history and yada 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 um but that kind of wraps up everything at least in in part one um i hope you guys enjoyed this video i had a lot of fun let's go to some comments before we get out of here shall we um and if it is your first time joining us please make sure to like share subscribe um you could support like east did thank you east um check out the patreon we got lots of exclusive videos in there that are not on the youtube channel um Lots of updates and things, you, you, all sorts of stuff. Whoa. That was weird. Can you see me? I hope so. I don't know what just happened there. My thing was, my thing was thinging on me. Something went down. Did I like freeze up or something? Um, just tuning in i have two copies of this book i will trade one of them for a master tape to the channel club video says jeff's addiction amy really enjoyed looking at the photos awesome cheers 
amazing look for an amazing band. Was it? It no. Exacto. They were called Pro Edge. Exacto was their uh, was the was the um, it was Pro Edge. It was not Exacto. Uh, punks. Sorry, my this the thing is really hard. It doesn't do. It doesn't show up. It was Exacto that their family started. Um. Yeah, apparently they brought animal carcasses. Uh, from the butcher to the show, I asked. I asked a bunch of people. I asked uh, people who were there. I asked um, <laughs> uh, some other people. I don't know that they said that. Uh, thanks, Steve. Steve's a good guy. Steve's the best. Uh, we're doing a music video with Steve. It's coming soon. You'll see it. Sad we lost Joey. Yes, it, a shame. Absolutely a shame. I bought a bass drum head of the Crimson Ghost riding. In, oh God, I hate, I hate it when I'm trying to do a comment. I'm trying to show a comment and it doesn't help me. I bought a bass drum head of the Crimson Ghost riding in the back of a cab meter fare reading 138, which was the price. But it was perfect for me as I used to drive a taxi. He signed the back. I think he's talking about Joey Image. If you've not seen it, you cannot see it publicly anymore, like the full thing. Um, it, it is out there. Somebody took it off my computer. It is out there. The full version of 1979, a year of horror business. Some of you who have been on this channel for a long time know of this video. It's like a three-hour video documentary podcast that details the mystics right up until the year 1979. Um, check it out. Uh, if you can find it, it's, it's out there somewhere. Maybe somebody torrented it. Um, it's nothing that you haven't seen before, but it's all presented in a very sort of chronological way, um, that, that features and it's dedicated to Joey image. Um, because we, we did it Joey image passed away. And then we, we, I started putting that together kind of, cause I thought it'd be cool to take a look at the year 1979. Um, so yeah. Uh, what else? I'm just sorry. I'm going through all these comments now. Um, blah, blah, blah. Dum, 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 dum. Something about Googie. What is it? I actually like that Googie was going for his own look versus just being a clone of the other dudes says small board. Sm what is that? S M C L L board. Yeah, man. I, I guess I did. I did freeze up. Didn't I? I did freeze up. Hey, thanks for stopping by. We appreciate you. Okay. Yeah, so I froze. I didn't realize that I froze. <laughs> um, hey, man, I'm glad you liked the videos. I appreciate you watching, truly. Maybe it was trying. Okay, so this is so here we have a, a, a thesis here from Carnegie is saying maybe it was trying to do the early hardcore shave the head thing, but keep the devil lock. Obviously, you might be right. You might be you might be right. Um, we we will see. I'm a new fan of your channel. Thank you, thank you so much. Make sure you subscribe. Subscribing is important. Like I said, seek out uh, 1979 a year of horror business. Lots of videos on this channel. Seems we have a lot of newcomers to the channel tonight. Um, I, I had a feeling this would be a, a, a hopefully a larger episode where would have gotten a little bit more reach. And I just wanted to say, if you're new to this, new please explore the channel. So many videos like this. Uh, we have videos of all shapes and sizes. 
Some videos are just little clips. We I take the, these long shows, I clip them up in little sound bites, and then I put them out. Because some people don't want to sit through hours of me talking. They just want like a little soundbite here and there. So I do that too. You know, we kind of try and hit all the bases here on the channel like that. Um, back in the day growing up, I was 11. And the first time I saw the Misfits and heard it scared me for a while. And your videos are funny and cool. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Really do. I really appreciate all you guys watching these videos. Um, so as I was saying, so tomorrow night, we are taking a look at a exploitation film called Dear God No from 2011. Uh, we're doing Sinful Celluloid, which is the podcast uh, that I do with uh, Christopher M. Jimenez, um, uh, where we talk about movies and stuff. And next week, I'm not sure, but like I said, huge show is coming on. A first for the streaming Evil Live show. Let's put it that way. Um, if you want to see an episode that's not on this channel that I did with Bobby Steele, go check out on Rock Fantasy's channel, the, the Halloween episode. I was me as a panelist with Bobby Steele. We had a great time. We talked about a bunch of stuff. Um, what else? Okay, Ray Garcia says, Ray Garcia says here, wait a minute. Ray was a roadie. Ray was a roadie on this tour, I think. Uh, the reason behind Jerry's Mohawk was because we had a friend who was a Marine and on leave and thought it would be a great idea to give him a combo devil lock Marine cut. Dude, Ray solving the mystery. Thank you, Ray. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Ray was on this tour and he was a, uh, he was a roadie. He was a roadie, something like that. Uh, talk about a guy. This is a guy that knows, knows stuff. He knows the stuff. Ray, thank you for clearing that up. Um, I really do appreciate it. Uh, cause I always wondered that I always wondered that. So it was kind of like, it, it was, it was like, uh, trying to do a combo, I guess. Huh? How about that? Didn't, didn't, didn't always, always happy to learn something new on this, uh, on this channel. What else do we have coming up in the future? Uh, if you're a Patreon member, we have been reading return of living dead, the novelization we've been going chapter by chapter on chapter five right now. Make sure you did do uh make sure you check that out. Um what else can I tell you? Um like I said, big surprise guest coming to the show. In addition, we're gonna have Tank, Jonathan Grimm, Tank. He's gonna be on the show. That's gonna be great. Yes. Big shout out to Ray. Ray is awesome. He he knows he knows some he knows cool stuff. Thank you, Rue. Thank you, Rue, for always being here. Rue has been here. Rue has been uh, in in this stream for almost two years now. We've been doing this for almost two years. It's coming up. Um, we're we're going to have to have, in two months, we'll, we will have been doing this for two years. We have to have some sort of big anniversary celebration. <laughs> hey, Vegan Munster, thank you for joining the channel. I, I appreciate it. Much appreciated. Uh, glad to have you. Thanks for Thanks for commenting. In the comments. Um, so we'll be back. We will do another episode. We will do another one of these episodes with the rest of the book. And like I said, it's a shame that we can't go out and buy the book. Like I would love to do that. Want to support Kenny. Want to support Frank in the right kind of way. It's not available. It's out of print. So the only way we get to look at it is do that. And it's cool to hear. 
um, Kenny's version of the oral. It's his, his, that's his version. That's his history of the misfits, his version of the history of the misfits. Um, uh, I, when is the show with Jim? I, I don't know what you're talking about, Steve. Oh, should we just let the cat out of the bag? Might as well just do it. Okay, here's why I don't want to do Erie's book because Erie's book is still available for sale. I I thought about doing Erie's book and I've not done it because like I kind of want to do it, but like a part of me feels like, I mean, that dude, that's how he makes money from that book. And like, it's, you can like, it's still available for purchase and I wouldn't want to do anything that might hinder his ability to, you know, um, I don't know, make money from his book and doing like a look through with the book might do that. Uh, I would love to do a look through with that book. I can't, I, or at least not right now. I don't feel comfortable without his blessing. I need his, his, his blessing to do that. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is our, is your daughter, is your daughter, Amy, is Amy, your daughter, dude, vegan monster. We have a, we have a, uh, uh, a friggin' uh, father, daughter uh uh viewership here that's great i think i don't know is, is this is this the, is this the same amy i'm not sure i i want eerie to come on the channel dude i do i do i've reached out to him i have not heard back um you know and i'm just gonna i'm just gonna drop it here we're gonna we're, we're gonna no i can't I'm supposed to do, there's a surprise coming to the channel it's not eerie eerie is not the surprise but we have a surprise guest coming. Very excited about it. Um, I feel so bad for this guy because he is just going to, we're just going to ask him lots of questions. He's going to be so, he's so nice and awesome. And <laughs> um, oh, that's awesome, dude. Dude, that's so great. Yes. Love it. I love it. You're, dude, you have taught your daughter well. She knows so much cool stuff. She's always contributing in the chat um you know all the all these great facts and factoids so we're glad to have you mr vegan monster uh welcome to the channel <laughs> that's awesome yes yes um yes i really want i really really want oh yeah this is kind of like book club isn't it we should call this book club i'm gonna do a playlist called misfits book club because we've done Scream With Me, and we'll do well, – now we have Teenagers from Mars, and now we just – we need to do uh, Misery Obscura. But I will not do it without Eerie's uh, blessing. I, I can't. I, I just don't want to do it. Uh, I, want, I want him to be comfortable with it. Um, thank you for taking the time to interview the people that made the misfits what they are. Yeah, dude. I mean, we've we've spoken to a bunch of people. All that stuff is in the Patreon. Some of it you can see. I'm starting to send preview. What what I'm doing is I'm going through my tapes slowly, and I have so much extra material that doesn't really contribute to the narrative, but is very interesting. And so I figured, let me start putting this stuff on. Um, let me start putting this stuff on the Patreon. This music leaves stains. I, you know, I I don't really. I'm not, I don't know if I would ever do that book. I don't own that book. I don't really want to purchase that book because like I said, that book, like that book takes a lot of its stuff from, from Misfit Central. And it just kind of bums me out to be honest. 
I've heard that Erie is working on a second book. I would love to pick his brain about it. I don't know if he will do that, but I'd love to have I truly would love to have Erie on. You hear that? Go if you want Erie to be on the show, go b- bother him. No, don't bother him. <laughs> yes, bother him. Let's get him on the show. We've had Steve, we had Pete. Now we just need Erie and London. We'll ha- talk to every uh Sam Hain member that will uh that that would hopefully talk to us because I don't think we'd ever get Glenn to talk to us in that kind of way. Um <clears throat> but like I said, another really exciting guest will be coming for sure. What's with the moon logo with the bullet in its eye? Ah, I'm glad you asked that. The moon logo, it's not my logo, though I do have a new logo now. Uh the moon logo, that's from a trip to the moon. And it is um, the first science fiction film. And I kind of wanted to have my own. I was trying to figure out, like, what could be my logo? I'm a filmmaker. I I love cinema. I love movies as much as I love music. And I was thinking this is a public image, uh, public domain image. And I'll make this my own crimson ghost. This is going to be my crimson ghost. It's that's what it is. And that's not a that that actually that is a bullet in, in the moon's eye. And it kind of symbolizes the idea of creating something that assaults the senses. Um, when I think of that image, I think like it kind of, it's kind of invocative of Unchun Andalu, uh, Salvador Dali's um, surrealist film from 1922 that Frank Black writes about, Black Francis writes about in the song Debaser, you know, got me a movie, oh, oh, oh slicing up eyeballs, oh, oh, oh. Girly so groovy, I want you to, to know, don't know about you, but I am Un Chun Andalusia. Yes, it was the space capsule. Right. So Amy, back in uh the 90s, the, the Smashing Pumpkins made the coolest music video ever. Um, that was an, an homage to a trip to the moon. You can watch it, it's 12 minutes long. It's from 1902. So the movie is 118 years old now. And it's, um, I don't know, it's great. It's really great. Yeah, you're right, man. It is that, it is about peace and hair grease time. Look at this. I got a, I got a stage manager telling me it's peace and hair grease time. We've been going for two hours and 25 minutes and we still have 55 people watching. Um, yes. And there's a great movie that uh, Scorsese did uh, called Hugo about his film, about his filmography. Really great stuff. So I've actually designed. Do you want to see what the logo looks like? I'll show it to you guys. You want to see it real quick before we go? So here is the Frumis version. I've actually made this and um, you'll be able to see a preview of it very soon. Mom, you are so late. You don't even know. Uh, Mom. Oh, shit. Here we go. Oh, no. So, yeah, you are. You're super late. All right. I'm going to show you my the preview of my new logo. I'm probably, I don't know. I'm thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I, maybe I'll put it on a t-shirt, uh, some stickers and stuff. Um, I actually have somebody kind of working on that right now. You might know him, rightstickers.com. I don't know what he's doing with it. Uh, Josh is, 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 is doing something, something with the, uh, something with the logo, but here it is real quick. I'm, I'm unveiling the logo. I wanted to do something a little bit different to make it mine. Like I didn't just want to take the image. I wanted to incorporate myself in the image somehow. So everything I do is surrounded around me. 
the narcissist that I am. So here is here is my version of the logo. That's it. Boom. So I think that's going to be the new thing, you guys, uh, at some point. And I just took a photo of myself and sort of put, put it under there. And that is, the, the, this right here is from Horror Business. That's the... Uh, the N E S S. And then I made the from, so that's horror business. Um, would you ever take this on the road? Like going to misfits hotspots in New Jersey, New York, New Jersey. We, I mean, go look at, we did a video about the misfits statue at the low. And there's a Lodi VFW show. Go check out that. Oh, mom, you like the logo. You guys like it. Cool. Like it. Rue is down with it. Sweet. Sweet. I'm, I'm glad you guys dig. I, I'm pretty happy with how it came out. I was like trying to figure out how to like get it going, like how to crack that nut. Um, but we did it. Uh, so I guess this is, yeah, this is probably where we are going to end the show. Really fun show, guys. Thank you so much for tuning out, tuning in. Um, we got a lot of nice new people um here well and very nice to meet you uh vegan monster aka amy's father welcome to the welcome to the channel um <laughs> what is that is that a moon minister definitely need to print that on a t-shirt up I, I probably will it'll probably happen one thing that's nice i 100 own that that's mine and that's what's nice i mean this you know again i could use this moon but it's just not you know, it's it's not um I don't know. I wanted to create something that that made made a lot of sense. But in any case, listen, I'm gonna go. I need to unwind. It's been a long day. I'm gonna watch I'm gonna go watch uh the new Boba Fett. The the Boba Fett, whatchamacallit? Uh Book of Boba Fett. Um, as we say on this channel every night, because we do this every night. Peace. And hair grease. And one more thing. Do you what do you guys know about Patreon? Do you guys know anything about Patreon? You don't know about the Patreon. You don't know about the Patreon. Well, let me tell you something about the Patreon. Let me tell you right now. Hey guys, what's going on? It's Jeff. So I've decided to make a Patreon. What is Patreon? I don't know how to define a Patreon. Let me look it up. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it very easy for creators to get paid for the things that they're already creating. I want to do it full-time. I want this to be my full-time job. In my efforts to make that happen, I've set up this platform. Is it going to work? Is it gonna be successful? I don't know, but I would rather try and crash and burn than not try at all. The goal is to create enough passive revenue so that I can continue to do this full-time uninterrupted. Why? Because I love to do this. I love creating content. I love making videos. I love shooting films. I love doing podcasts. In case you couldn't tell, I love to talk and I never shut the fuck up. <laughs> so right now I've kept the Patreon incredibly simple. There's two tiers and that may change in the future. The Murdergram is a simple way to extend support for all of the hours and hours of free content on the channel for nothing more than a dollar. 38 cents goes to Patreon. What's a buck 38, eh? It's less than a cup of coffee. But it's a great way that you can show support for very little effort. When you divide that $1.38 by the hours and hours and hours of time spent listening to this 
endless drivel of content, the dollar cost average works out. Next up is the YouTube casualty for $6.66. The YouTube casualty is loaded to the gills. Enjoy the archive ad-free as well as ad-free early access to special docu-style podcast videos, music reaction commentaries, and the like a month before they drop on YouTube, loaded with ads, I might add. You're also going to get exclusive content and behind-the-scenes content that is not available on YouTube or anywhere else. So you get to peek behind the veil. And believe me, there's a couple of choice pieces. Most of all, more than anything, whether you join the Patreon or not, I just want to thank each and every one of you that comes to the channel, that watches all the shows, that leaves comments, that participates that subscribes, that's really the most important thing. This is just trying to find a way to earn a living as an artist. And with that, thank you for my TED Talk. Join the Patreon, because we need you! 66 cents.